Welcome to the Say Something Nice podcast, your home for in-depth news discussions, reviews, and deep dives into movies, television shows, and music, with a special emphasis on diversity and the Black experience. You can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts can be found. And you can also find us on all social media under the handle at SSMPodcast or at our website, SSMPodcast.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Say Something Nice podcast. I'm not an eight. Planet of the eight? Right. You will not be like that, um, you know. What's going on? I especially can't do it after that Asian lady threw out those guys out of their Airbnb and called them monkeys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I read that. I, I couldn't watch the video, but I like read the story. Yeah. Um, I just, mm. so let, me re- like, let, me, let me retract the boot, boot, boots and just, Wakanda forever! How about that? That worked better? <laughs> it, it, it's okay. It's, it's okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like, you're like Freddie Freeman with, uh, with, with, with Captain Marvel trying to do his little catchphrase. He learned over and Freddie was like, eh. <laughs> How is everybody doing? I am Brandon. I'm here with Latria. What's up? And Ken. Howdy. And special guest, Richard. Hey, how you doing? All right. And we're here to um, discuss some things. Um, a certain actor has been cast as Batman, and people are mad about it for reasons that astound me. Um, Haters. A certain app is going away and coming back in a different format immediately afterwards. And people are, I don't know, people are kind of acting a fool about it, too. But also, they're talking about the app in general, which makes for like a good conversation. And we saw a bunch of movies that we're going to talk about right now that maybe aren't as big as some of the other we've covered, but we still want to talk about them anyways. Um, so let's start with the one that... Um, so actually, I want to start with me and Ken. We went to go see Ma yesterday. Ma, mm-hmm. of course, is the new thriller um, film, slasher movie, um, from directed by Tate Taylor, the director uh, and writer of The Help. Um, oh. <laughs> which is why I was thinking I didn't know see that. Because I never saw Get On Up because he wrote and directed that. Um, that's the James Brown movie? That's the James Brown movie. You would think that me being from a Is he doctor, white? Yeah, he's he's quite white. <laughs> he he is. He lives you know, we on don't a... pay kindly to you folks around these parts, white. Mm-hmm. He lives on a plantation. I what? think in Louisiana. You said Tate Taylor? Tate Taylor. Oh. Um, yeah, this movie stars... He even got a supervillain name. Yeah. <laughs> it stars Octavia Spencer and Luke Evans and a bunch of oh, men wow. and kids. Wow. Yeah, he's from Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. Oh, it was Mississippi. I thought it was somewhere bad. Oh, so the help was in his backyard. The help was about his... Um, oh, his... his birthday is today. Happy birthday, Tay. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> So his friend, <laughs> Catherine, some, something starts with an L, she wrote the book. They, they knew each other grow up. The help is about her life. And oh. so when she wanted to adapt it, she got him to do it. It was his first movie. Oh, so this was Green Book before it was Green Book. It was book. definitely Green Book before it was Green Book. Mm. Okay, I got it. Um, I get it now. What's the lady's name who, did the, who wrote that? He also did Girl on the Train, which I loved. So... 
I mean, but it's not that he's but a... That but that didn't have black people. Yeah. So it was, that's why a, it was good. Yeah. Catherine Stockert. Stockett. My, no, my bad. Black. It's not that he's a yeah. bad director. It's just that, you know, he's an out-of-touch white person making... Who's made movies right. for black people. When it comes to black people. Yeah. Yeah. But like, so Ma, you know, in the trailers, you think, oh, just, you know, this black woman's getting revenge on white people by, you know, murdering all these white children. Sort of, kind of not real. <laughs> I mean, oh man, it ain't hashtag fuck them kids. It is hashtag fuck them kids, but like people, it's, people who try the to fuck decide, them kids doesn't happen really until like the third act. Yeah, like they what? Until the third act, like so the movie is ninety minutes long. Shit don't happen until about minute fifty five. So what, <laughs> what happens? What set up? A lot of setup, a lot of establishment, a lot of um, showing children drinking and driving and hanging out at her house. Is this and, the first thriller? And Ma getting on my nerves, acting like she's a teenager again? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, like, basically... I 55 minutes setting the plot of a movie when they gave the whole plot away in the trailer. Yeah, they literally gave the whole plot of the movie away in the trailer. There's no point in, like, to be, like, spoilers, um, except for, like, the very end, I guess. But, like, I mean, the plot oh my of the trailer... Gosh. Like, it oh, I should, I should not spend my $15 to go see it. No. I mean, $6? I mean, is, is it, yeah. I mean, catch a mat, a cheap matinee. Yeah. Go to the five dollar Tuesday. Um, you know, you can still see it. You can still support Tavia, Tay Tay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, and like as Brandon and I were talking, it was like a really long episode of Riverdale. Yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Like we're trying to figure out because like. It gets really Tyler Perry melodramatic in places, and there's all the splashing <laughs> and stuff. I was like, "This." Kim was like, "This is Riverdale." I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> and this, I mean, uh, it, it, it had moments that would like just seem almost Medea-ish for no reason. Yes, like she's taking a phone call while she's getting her nail, her feet done, and her and the other black woman next to her going going have like a scrap session, like talking junk back to each mm-hmm. other, like. You better shut up. No, you better shut up. Because there's literally one point early in the movie where she tells the kid, when she points a gun at one of the kids, or that's a joke, and she's like, you think I'm going to shoot y'all? All right, Medea. And she literally kind of turns it Oh, Tate. <laughs> oh, it's not a bad movie, but it's not a good one neither. The, the theater we saw it with, everybody was like, just like howling, laughing for about the last, like, the last third of it. Where'd y'all go? Uh, we went to um, Regal Hollywood on 85. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, like, yeah um, which is like a ghost town on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Richard, have you seen it? No. Do you? <laughs> well, I have a question. I just was like, that was not even on my radar. <laughs> well, so then you won't mind. What's the twist? There's no twist. Oh, there's no twist. It's in, it's in the trailer. I saw I saw the trailer in the in the theater, and I read the movie spoiler. There's uh-huh. no. Wait, wait, I guess the twist. Well, I guess like it? if you got if listeners, if y'all want to see Moscow ahead about three minutes. Um, the spoiler is that she has a daughter that she's been sort of hobbling up in the attic and making her believe that she's sick. And the daughter uh-huh. is the one who helps the, helps the children escape when she um, captures them and tries to torture them. Because the thing is that she was... Mm, let's, let's use the word... Was, she was sexually assaulted by the rest of her classmates when she was in school with them. Uh-huh. And she looked like Belma from Scooby-Doo with thick uh-huh. glasses and a bob. Right. Um, and... That small town, the parents who grown up had their own kids, so she's taking revenge on the parents by basically torturing their kids and by so killing. So is one by of killing, them the daddy? Yeah, yeah, and by killing the by killing them. Yeah, Luke Evans is one of the daddies. I was and, about to say, is it Luke? 
Dang, Luke. And they and yeah. um and by kidnapping and killing the parents by one as well. Yeah. The oh. only other thing about like the more I thought about the movie, and it, it's not like she she immediately wants to get revenge on the kids. Mm-hmm. And the first instinct to me is that. She was trying to get over a traumatic experience that she had mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. reliving it. But the thing is, she didn't deal with that trauma. Because, I mean, why are you hanging with teenagers and you're a middle-aged woman? Right. Um, so there was, a, there was so many problems there. But it was like, it, it's basically somebody trying to deal with a trauma by re- reliving, reliving it and trying to redefine the experience right. that they have. But, take, but it not working out and taking it to absurd levels. Like it so uh, sounds uh, like it could be really good in the right hands. Oh yeah, it could Absolutely, have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the, uh, I really had a problem with her dress. Like Brandon said, she was dressed like Velma from Scooby Doo, while everybody else was. In, this was in the '80s, so everybody else has the you know the '80s hairstyles mm-hmm. with the crimp and the jean jackets and blah blah blah. blah. And here you looking like you you but you in, you literally look like you're integrating the school from the. Hey, black people are not a monolith. Can okay. That was the other what? part. Like, uh, like, uh, but she was the only black student. <laughs> that was the other part. So, Latria, you found maybe, that, that piece maybe of that, she was obsessed with Scooby Doo. Maybe she was. The, you, Latria, you found that piece of that article. Um, I forgot where the rest oh, of it came from. Oh yeah, because uh, it was a tweet I saw, and yeah. it, it was like a screenshot of that. That's why I sent it. Yeah. So Tate Taylor was uh, being interviewed, and they asked him, you know, about the whole race angle of the movie. He said the movie is not about race, and he's like. It. And look, and he said, Octavia asked him, why do they think it's about race? And he's like, well, I'm white and you're black, and that's why they think that. The movie, it does not avoid race, but no, it's not about race. And it's it's kind of weird in that way, in that she's obviously like the only black kid who went to their school. She's mm-hmm. one of the few black people in their town. But they don't really, they, they address race in, there's three distinct instances in the film where they address it, but it's not part of the texture of the movie that you would think it would be by watching mm. the trailer. Yeah. It's more like, it's more like subtext. Yes. They're post-racial. <laughs> it's, I mean, not... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making a joke. I'm being funny. Uh, I, mean, uh, okay. I mean, but you're kind of right how they try to approach it. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. But yeah, I, I, I was thinking long and hard. Um... <laughs> it's a C plus of a movie, but depending upon the movie you're in, you might you might ratchet it up to a B something. Um, mm-hmm. But it's definitely like like straight grade is like a C plus. For yeah, it it like it's just it's just like above saying this could have gone to Netflix, right? And that's what I actually wanted to ask you about. So when you because like, we were talking after the movie about movies and how they're sort of kind of progressing, so we're looking at Regal, Regal Hollywood has twenty four screens and. I think roughly half of them are filled with superhero movies. The other half are like sequels and like by four or five like original ideas. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of talking about how movies are progressing. And the thing is that the one thing about movies like Ma, it could have gone to Netflix, but even if it's not that good, I'm kind of glad it didn't because I I am terrified in some ways of even though I like a lot of these movies, of the inevitable thing where you go to the movie, to the Cineplex, and there's only superhero, superhero, sequel, adaptation, remake. Yeah. Right down yeah. yeah. Um, you gotta have good and bad. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. All right. Um, well, I'm trying to think, do I have any other thoughts about Ma? Um, that ending to me, that was the weirdest ending. I, I, like, I, 
I saw that shit coming. I'm sorry, I saw that shit coming. This funny thing was like, no, when the very end happened, Kim was like, no, and I said yes. (laughs) So basically, territory. So go. Okay. So, huh? I said, feel it. Okay. So basically, the kids get rescued by the parents and um and the moms and the daughter, right? And they outside the house, right? Mom and got up after being stabbed in the back. And she, you know, and she pulled over the curtain looking uh, in her house, looking at everybody outside, you know, like your mean old lady in your neighborhood. And the mm-hmm. house is on fire. Like, like yeah. the, water, the water heater got punctured or some shit. And the house is on F-I-R-E. <laughs> yeah. So she, what she does is she, she saunters up her stairs and just, and lays in bed with the, the boy that she, the man that she had killed. With Luke Evans. <laughs> With Luke Evans, she had a crush on in school. Yeah, tied him up and killed him. I guess I'm just going to lay here and die with my man. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe she realized that she didn't have a way to get out the house, so she might as well... She could have walked out the front (laughs) door. But she was upstairs, right? Oh, no. No, she, she walked upstairs. She, oh. No, she walked upstairs from the basement. She was on the main level. She was literally three steps from the door. Oh. I guess she didn't want to go to jail. I don't know. Shit. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's it. And they're playing like that 80s like horror movie. <laughs> On the soundtrack, she's going up the steps. And tonight. maybe she was like already like secretly was she like secretly in love with him before he raped her? Yes. So yeah, so that's probably that kind of explains the twisted mentality there a little bit. No, I mean it, that part is explained. Like there's like a whole lot of plot holes that a better writer would have passed. Well, I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying like her going up to lay with him like that, that explains it to me. If she was like already like secret, she had this crush on him, but then Mm -hmm. he raped her, you know, she's still, those feelings are still there. But my thing is, he Um, was a, he was an asshole to her up until she, into the moment she killed him. mm -hmm. I mean, you know, people, just like the white women marrying Charles Manson in prison, you know. I get it. But you, I mean, you, I'm going to tell some more of the movie shit. So you, this man tricks you into sucking Because I'm not paying for it, so. Yeah. So this, so this dude tricks you into sucking somebody else's dick in a hall closet when you thought you were sucking his, and then he's out, like, as soon as you walk out the closet, he's like, surprise, bitch. Him and the rest of the student body. All of them. All of them. And like, this is another thing. The whole, the whole school. school. <laughs> where is this set? Okay, what? Teachers, jailers, assistants. Not all that, but um. Where is this set? Is it set in like a, a hick small, town? Small yeah, it's a small town. town. That, was, that, was, that was another issue I had when I thought realized. Was it, it in the like, south? These... Yeah, like, oh, yeah. like it feels southern-ish, but it don't have to be the south. It could yeah. be like Pennsylvania or Connecticut or something. Yeah, any any small rural town. Right. And that, that was another issue I had with the movie. Like, these kids didn't know who Ma was in this small-ass town. Right. Not even like, the black kids. She was like, the only... Hmm, that's true. And, you, and, and, and during this time, you managed to have a black child. Like, you know, I mean... They're, they're but she been locked things. up the whole time, right? No. Oh. She, 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 sent, she sent her to school, but, like, in a wheelchair. And then eventually, oh, you talking about her daughter? Yeah, her daughter. Oh, okay, no, I was just talking about. Okay, yeah, I was just talking about Ma in general. Like, like people like that, the town, everybody in the town should know her. 
Like what yeah. the the black lady who who works at the vet the vet office? Yeah. Like, and she always wearing the same scrub every day. Mm-hmm. You right? Because I every time That's I go back home, people just be waving at me at the red light <laughs> stop signs. I'm like, hey. Right, it's, Doesn't it, have an oddly good cast, though? The acting is fine. Yeah, that's Yeah, good. kids are fine. Julia Lewis is fine. Octavia Spencer is great. Luke Evans is fine. It's fine. The kids are fine. I love Missy Pyle. Luke Evans is fine. Stop it. I will not. <laughs> it may, it, you know, Luke Evans gets, gets oh, a lot no, of holes, he, he keeps playing assholes, and it's making it hard. For me to like, you know, stand for him. I don't well, want to be up and oh, people on camera. I'll always remember him for the Wonder Woman movie. So listen, oh my God, and it is on uh, Amazon. No, it's on. It's on either Hulu or Amazon Prime. Luke Evans is in Wonder Woman as whom? Yeah, he was no. Professor Marston. Yeah, Professor oh, Marston. Oh, the Wonder, the Wonder yeah. Women. Okay. <laughs> yes, Professor. I love that movie. That's a good movie. Hey, yes, it is. <laughs> like, all right, look, I see you. <laughs> See how you get down. All right. Um, <laughs> um, I also saw Rocket Man. Um, I don't know if anybody else saw Rocket Man is a biopic about Elton John. And I thought it was absolutely phenomenal because the thing is this. I've said this a lot, I think, on this very show. We did our biopics episode. Most rock stars have the same basic beats of their life. They come from, uh, you know, a, a bad environment. They get a big break. They get rich. They get on drugs. Hopefully, they find a way to get out of drugs and they have that second um, rebirth where they're happy again. Uh, sometimes you also throw in an abusive um, mate in there or an abusive manager. And so it's hard to make the movies distinct a lot of the time. So they become vehicles for like actors to act. This movie is a vehicle for Taron Egerton and the rest of the cast to act, but it's also an actual fucking musical which is the big sell that makes it work. Like, it's like if uh, What's Love Got to Do With It and Ray had a baby with Across the Universe and the baby was actually functional, unlike Across the Universe. It takes Elton John's songs and it gives them to the characters in the movie and they sing them and dance them out. It's a musical about his life, which makes it way more evocative sort of kind of getting you the idea of who Elton John was as a person and a performer than just having it be a straight drama. Hmm. Like, I was blown away by this movie. Like, it was absolutely amazing. For, for, at least for right now, I think it's the best movie I've seen all year. I, mean, really? I, was, I was shocked to hear, I heard that Taron does all the singing himself. Oh, yes, he does. Sound. He sounds great. And he, dancing too. Like, there's like, there's sequences where like, when he's, when um he's like, playing like, best 20 or something year old Elton John, he and he's like, out there's like a big one long shot, which is probably some you know CGI trickery, but basically it's him and a whole crowd at a fair, like they're all doing these dances and the shot is never cuts. It's like it's like dance, verse, chorus, dance, verse, chorus, dance, and he runs back because he's running from a from one gig to the other, basically. And maybe between he's mm-hmm. singing and dancing. I mean, there's shit like that throughout the whole movie. Like there's a there's a dance that takes place underwater, there's some take place in like there's like an orgy dance sequence, there's like Orgy dance sequence. Yes. Um, I mean, there's so, like, like, there's never a place where it's out of place for them to put a musical number into it. And they make it all work and all fit. And I went into the movie. I didn't know shit about Elton John other than he was a dude who was popular in the 70s and he wrote the songs for The Lion King. Mm-hmm. 
I ain't no shit. Brandon. I, listen, cancel me. <laughs> no, I mean, my thing is, I understand you are, you are pro-black with your musical choices and knowledge. <laughs> but Elton John? Really? Yeah, really. Like, I... Like, and I, I take that back because I know your parents did. Like, I was exposed to that stuff from my mom. Like, my mom listened to all different types of music growing up. Like, there are so many songs I didn't know who the artist was, but I'll know the song because she would listen to it yeah. on the radio. Who are white white artists? Like, I'm like, oh, so I I actually know this Led Zeppelin song. My oh, mom played okay. Mary J. Blige and Fantasia. So, go ahead and free yourself. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but um. <laughs> I mean, I, I I get it. I understand. Yeah. But you should go back and really look at his stuff because him and the Beatles, because they were like a lot of their music is like, you know, if you, you changed a few chords or whatever, it's R&B music. Yeah, it is. Like John. Got I think it's set like nowhere. Stuff, I, like nowhere I, in I particular. That stuff before I, I was like tired talking to him, um, hanging around with him. Um, yeah. The Elton John stuff. I think he sent me like one Elton John song like one time and I listened to it. And I, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll definitely get into the rest of it now because, like, I was like, these songs are so good. I've never heard any of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely go see Rocket Man. It's um, like Brandon. Have you seen a commercial? I've seen I, no. I've uh, some of the songs I've heard. Like some, like like the three of the songs I recognize. It's like pop songs that everybody knows. But like for the most, and I know one song is Mary J. Blige sampled it in one of her songs. But like for the mm. most part, I don't know them by heart. Like I don't know, like I know like Motown or Stax records. So you know, I mm. need to get on that. So I will. Yeah. But yeah, definitely Archimand and A. Um, only thing I didn't like about it was the fact that it fucking ended. <laughs> I, I could have used a good stroll, like half hour or hour more of movie. Because I will say the movie stops. It stops where Ray stops. When Ray's okay. like, you know, I'm going to get better. It's going to be okay. And then the rest is an epilogue. And so you don't actually get to see him get better and stuff, I guess. is I mean, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but like, that's sort of kind of one thing I didn't like about it. But I mean, the movie at that point is already like two hours, and you know how people in movie theater and movie companies are about movies that are over two hours. So, um, but yeah, the rest of it's absolutely excellent. I get it, and it, like you say, it's like every other stars. But it except the only difference is, um, I'm like, well, I won't take that because somebody was saying the difference with that movie. I was looking at a review. Um, they were talking about how um, Elton John actually has a pretty good happy ending, like. Elton John has a family. He's a gay man with a family, and they go to Disney World, and he's well known. Yeah, and, and he's and, and he's still celebrated. Yeah, but it's not, that, it's, in the movie, all that shit is in text titles at the end. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, it, it almost feels like they could have gone to a you know a different place or you worked with that a bit more. Right. How do you how do you have you seen Bohemian Rhapsody? I have not, because everybody was like, yeah, about it. <laughs> I, I want to know how, you know, people like that in um, comparison. Because it's the same guy. Well, the, the director that took over is the one that yeah. did uh, Rocket Man. So he actually yeah. gets credit this time. Okay. <laughs> oh, because he's the one who did when he fired Brian. Okay. Yeah. Oh, boy. And it was yeah. I heard it was originally his idea, and they put Brian Singer on, on West McCollard or something. Mm. Or, I don't know. I'm getting it mixed up. There's something quirky in that, but I think Dutria is definitely right. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely check that out. And Ken, you saw um, Godzilla. 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 You got the monsters. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you Godzilla is one of those movies that if you're into Godzilla, you'll enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. If you're not into Godzilla, save your save your money. That that's pretty much it. Um, huh. You have a pretty much paper thin plot. 
to to get these these monsters to fight each other, which that's what you kind of need. They try to shoehorn a human story in there, which it kind of works, but it really kind of doesn't. It more or less feels like everybody's a bit player and your major star can't talk. And it's only like, and it's like, it's like in the um, Glass Menagerie where you have those people who are like, what do they call those characters who are not there? Um, Non-playable characters? What? Not, that's the video game. Um, Anyway, um, basically, I was trying to make an allusion to uh, Godzilla, but basically your main character, your main character, everybody's there to see really can't talk or really can't interact with people like that. Um, But, you know, the, Eleven from Stranger Things. Millie Bobby she's Brown. not. Millie. Yeah, Millie Bobby Brown. She's not really in the movie as much as they tried to advertise her being in there. Boo. <laughs> she's a, I mean, she really doesn't, and she really doesn't do more than be a damsel in distress until like the third act. Bay and fucking switch. Who is running publicity right. at Warner Brothers this year? I want to know. Cause the fuck. <laughs> that sucks. Um, some of the fights are good. The CGI is questionable. It's not. It's like they're trying to hide bad CGI behind a um, um, uh, an Instagram filter. Um, and, <laughs> and sometimes the the green screens for the monsters and the green screens for the for the human beings don't match. Like and separately, they look okay, but when they try to match them up together, it kind of looks odd. Um, Who is the I, company in charge of the CGI for this movie? I'm about to look it up right now. Right, keep going. Yeah. Oh, and basically, um, Godzilla is uh, Monster Jesus. Oh, he can just do anything. Mm-hmm. No, he's just worshipped like that. Oh. Mm. Filmed in Atlanta, Georgia. Yep. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Come on, Abortion Studios. Oh. Well, it's probably the last, the last movie that's going to be filmed here. Uh, yep. Let's see. Special effects, moving picture company. Double Negative, Method Studios, Rodeo Effects. ILM did concept design development. They didn't do any actual effects. Okay, so, yeah, so we got, yeah. like, the stuck. Yeah, okay, I see what happened. I mean, not bad-mouth any company. So, I mean, everybody tries the first their one of the, the new cinematic universe, or, or did that already start? This is third, apparently. Godzilla was wow. one, Kong Skull Island was two. This one's supposed to be three. And then fourth, which is already being filmed, is uh, Godzilla versus um, Kong. Yeah, they kind of teased that in the uh, end credits. What? Yeah, and they ha- it actually has an end credit scene. Um, so, so my question is this, Ken: You say that Millie Bobby Brown barely gets any footage. What about O'Shea Jackson Jr.? His his role was smaller than I thought it would be for it to be him. Uh. But you know, and he you knew he was in there. Oh, an old boy from. Um, from uh, she's got to have it is in there. Well, uh, which one? Uh, um, which one? Um, Mars Greer. Yep. James. Mars. Mars. Oh, hey. Anthony oh, Ramos. Yeah, he's in there for a quick minute. Anthony Ramos uh, popping up in random shit because he's in A Star Is Born. I'm really? laughing at him. He's getting work. Yeah, he, he's, he's, yeah. He's, he's um Lady Gaga's best friend in A Star Is Born. Really? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Love him. All right. Um. Richard, you saw Brightburn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. So, <laughs> I kind of felt about that movie the way that you felt about Ma, I think, in that it's it's very straightforward. Um, it's like, they so they had the idea, all right, so Superman, but evil. 
And then they just stopped there. And that, and they just that was that was the last original thought that they had. Oh. Because it, it doesn't really it doesn't really do anything with that. It just I think if that's what you're coming to see, Superman but evil and you want to see some gore, it, it the effects are great. I thought the effects were were really awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you know the performances are fine, but the movie itself it's just it's really straightforward from the beginning to the end. It's what if Superman came and was bad? So he's just a movie monster, basically. Once he um, it's yeah. Okay. Uh, so my question is this: This movie is a Universal Paramount. Was this James Gunn? Yeah, he produced. Uh, it. Yeah, um, he, yeah, he produced. His brothers wrote brother it. Wrote it. Or brothers? Yeah, brothers like wrote it. Too long. Um, what? Who made this movie? It's a Screen Gems. It's a Columbia. It's a Screen Gems Sony movie. I have a question because I saw the trailer and he's got laser vision, he's got flight and strength and everything. How does this work legally? Like the rights, or or as far as them like copying? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I I don't know because it's a straight up ripoff of Superman, right? <laughs> like it's it's every it's every Superman thing, but just not Superman. So yeah, I, your guess is as good as mine. I, I don't know yeah. how. how get, get I mean, it. can you can you um, copyright a collection of powers? Ask the people who made right. the American Hero because they they they. Call but, I mean, if he calls it something <laughs> different, like they kind of never explain <laughs> anything. Okay. So the probably because co- they were tr- probably trying to avoid using words that'll <laughs> directly tie it to Superman. Yeah, I mean, like he could be <laughs> generic X Men, but I, it's obviously Superman. Right. Right. Because, I mean, like, you know, the whole Superman Shazam lawsuit back in the 40s. But that was back in the 40s. I'd assume by the, by just by modern times, it would be different. But then they, I found out they sued Greatest American Hero in the 80s and lost. So I guess that's what it is, that they can just parody Superman if they want to. I don't know. That's weird. It's just very weird to me. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So if you were going to give um, Brightburn a letter grade, Richard, what would you give it? Uh, like a C minus. Okay. Oh. Oh shit. Um, but I mean, it's basically <laughs> a horror movie, and I'm not a, a real horror movie fan. I think if that's what you're coming for, then it'll probably oh. be like a B. Okay. Uh, and Ken, I'm, what about you for Godzilla? I would give Godzilla a C plus. Okay. Ooh, a lot of C's today on these movies. He <laughs> <laughs> is that barely scraping past this week. Uh, Latria, but they passed though. They passed. That's what matters. <laughs> Latria, barely. You and I think Ken also. Y'all saw they get the same degree. Right. <laughs> um, Latria, you and Ken. I think y'all both saw "Always Be My Maybe" on Netflix, starring Ali yeah. Wong and uh, Randall Park. That gets an A. Loved it. Lo- yeah. It is such a good. It is like a perfect rom com. Yep. And like everybody's Asian except for Michelle Buteau, who plays the best friend. Is she like a like a Netflix studio person now? She's feel, a I, comedian. I mean, she's like coming up, so I'm happy. Once you end up yeah. in one Netflix thing, it seems like you end up in like five or six other things. Oh right. yeah, it's like a like I guess it's like a studio contract or something you sign. I'm sure. I'm I'm wondering because I'm like I saw her in that and then I watched uh, someone great and then she popped up in there like randomly. Mm. I'm sure they have some kind of they do like studio like deals I guess. 
and all those girls from um, um, Orange is the New Black, even the ones yeah. who can't act, they show up in a Netflix yeah. production. And um, Catherine Langford from 13 Reasons Why, she has a new show, Cursed, coming out on Netflix, okay. too. So is, I, I think is it is com- some kind of deal they sign, I'm sure. Yeah, I guess it's like, I mean, I know it's that's common with movie studios that you'll have, like, you know, someone that has a contract with the studio, yeah. you know, that, like that way. Mm-hmm. But, like, for Netflix, for shows, that's just more interesting. Like, hmm, okay, you know, for the TV shows, they have, con- it seems like they have contracts for that. Right. Yeah. Right. But, yeah, the movie is, it's super cute. It is. And it's funny. It's like, even the cheesy rap they did to me were entertaining. Like, usually I cringe when they do, like, the rap scenes. Or or musical numbers. Yeah, it was funny. Right. Um, I thought, like, you know, I felt like even though it was, like, still kind of followed your, you know, kind of, like, you know, it, it, it was It was kind predictable, of, yeah. It was predictable, your cliche formula, but they gave you a little twist on it, a little edge, a little, all right, we're going to push this a little bit forward, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did enjoy that random cameo. Oh. Playing I, himself. You. I did. <laughs> like yes. I mean, we we could talk about it. it's in the trailer, right? No, it's not. Is it? it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It was, it was in the trailer. Oh, okay, I didn't know. Because I knew about it before I saw the movie, and I was like, oh, yeah. I didn't know he was gonna be in this. But okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, they they've they've tweeted out many times. Yes, it's Mr. John okay. Wick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. He, he he was in there dressed as John Wick. He was. It he really really was. does. <laughs> It comes through just playing himself. I feel like he had finished the movie and was like, "Let me just keep the hair and the scruff, and I'll just go right on to the to the next." Right, right. like it's like one day of work. I'm calling in a favor. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying he he's probably gonna have like a Netflix series coming out soon or something. That's probably what the thing is. And it's like, can you help us out with this? Um, you know, what was funny though, the scene where they were like um, after dinner when they were back at his hotel. Why did he, he actually looked more like Asian to me in that scene with all of them than like any time before. It does jump out. Because I didn't realize that he was like half Asian until literally like last year or something. Wait a minute, he is? Yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah. He a little bit. He a little, little bit. Well, maybe not <laughs> half, but. You know what I'm saying? He got a little. It's spring. in there. Yeah. He got, he got a little Asian he's, he's in him. And somewhere. then I read, so I read in some interview that he like refers to himself as person of color. Like he. Like he says in the interviews now. Really? I, like, I had no idea, Keanu. But do you know it makes sense? But in the movie, I was like, wait, is it is it just like when I go back home, I sound more country than when, <laughs> than when I am when I'm not there? Probably. I was like, he really like I can see it now when he was in that scene with them. It, uh, the Shout only, to uh, Ali Wong for getting uh, Keanu, uh, your, your man right? part, and Daniel and Day- Daniel Day Kim. Yeah, I saw an interview with her. She was like, oh, she was on Ellen. She was like, I mean, I just wrote this so that I could just kiss Keanu and Daniel. <laughs> I was like, hey, I ain't mad at you, girl. I did the same. All right. Um, really quickly, I forgot to mention it. I saw, because um, I bought a Blu-ray a while ago, but I finally opened it. I saw, I revisited Gremlins and Gremlins 2 over the week. Mm-hmm. Bless you, child. Mm. <laughs> what was the matter? I don't deal with them killer Furbies. I don't do these toys coming back to life. I 
See, those are the kind of I see Grimace is the kind of horror movie that yeah. I can I can really really enjoy because it's like it's still funny. No, no. Even though like you know like they're they're killing people, they're sending the old lady out the window of her um of her wheelchair lift. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And they're running over Dick Miller and Jackie Joseph with the um with the uh, snowplow. Who nah. what? Dick um the, the um the Futtermans, the next door neighbors of um of um Billy. I have not seen that movie since the eighties. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they run over a couple basically with a snowplow. They they, okay. they bust in the front door of the house and you know they're playing the. But yeah, I I I those movies, I love those movies. Gremlins too, because one thing Gremlins one, everybody thought was going to be like 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 um because we that wouldn't make any sense and it was a big hit and everything. Then Joe Dante made two, which is a ridiculous movie that makes no fucking sense. But I still like the movie anyway. It is it's ridiculous, and I don't remember if it made money or not. But this movie is fucking. I always I've always loved that one. Uh, maybe Do you know what? You probably shouldn't talk about it because watch twenty twenty one. They're gonna revive Gremlins because they ain't they ain't got nothing else to do. They've already been talking about it for years. About See, it. Jesus, because it's the kind of thing that you would expect that Warner Brothers would want to try to bring back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I bring it back, bring it back before twenty yeah, before twenty twenty five. They'll announce it. They'll sign uh, James Gunn as my to direct it, and it'll actually please not James Gunn. <laughs> so so wait, what? What do they teach in film school these days? How to readapt things that have already occurred? Like, they're not teaching new ideas? What well, is the, happening? It's the thing like we were talking about when we were talking about the mod thing. If you have a new... As I told Ken this yesterday. If you have a new idea for a movie, um, it would actually be easier for you to lengthen it, turn it into a miniseries, and sell it to Netflix or to Amazon than it would be to make it into a feature film because it's not going to be adapted because the feature film studios are really skittish on new stuff because with people's declining attendance of movie theaters and the whole... And this really mostly Disney's fault. Disney found a way to make every movie they make into an event film. So the other studios feel like they didn't make every movie. They make it to an event film as well with the exception of small, little, tiny, micro-budget indie stuff to keep the theaters basically full with other options, more or less. But, I mean, look at Avengers Endgame, for example. That movie obliterated right. everything. Look at Aladdin. The movie is not even that good. Like, came in and obliterated everything. And so the other studios, like, we want that money because Disney only puts out eight movies a year and makes $6 billion, just about. Right, yeah. So that's that's what the trouble is. It's not like people don't have new ideas. Like, as for um, decades now, you could literally spit in the air in Los Angeles and find six new ideas. Right. That would actually work as movies. It's just that, do you want to take the risk of paying somebody of, you know, this much money and giving them a budget of $30 million to make this movie? It's really where the problem comes in. As the fan of, I think the biggest fan of modern Disney in this, in this meetup right now, I just feel the need to say, don't hate the player. Hate the game. Well, hello, new voice. They're very good <laughs> at it. <laughs> I'm, hi, Amelia. Everybody, Amelia's here. Um, yeah, let's talk about Disney in general. Not just Disney, Disney, but Disney, Star, Disney, Lucasfilm, Pixar, and Marvel. So, yeah, the Thanos of the entertainment industry. <laughs> <laughs> wow, they did really sw- a snap the industry. They did, in yeah, I saw a meme I mean, that had the posters for Shazam, uh, Hellboy, <laughs> and what else came out in April? Little, I think it was. Yep. 
uh, and Thanos snapping in them. Like, <laughs> I love the meme. I love the meme where they uh, where they remove Thanos's head and replace it with Mickey's head and replace each Infinity Stone with like the Marvel symbol, the Pixar symbol, the Fox symbol, yeah, the Lucasfilm symbol. I love that one. The thing about it is like. I've um I don't know if you guys watch Kids React on YouTube or just read the I've React channel in general. It's the number one YouTube channel that I watch. Like every not kids in particular, but just React in general. Like every video because they drop every day. And a lot of um usually when a Disney movie, when a new adaptation's coming out, what they like to do is they like to, like uh, with Beauty and the Beast, they sat parent down with the child and showed them you know, here's the here's the new one. Like, here's the new trailer. Now, here's the trailer from the one that your parents saw. And, you know, the trailer is usually shot for shot. And the kids are always like, yeah, like, I saw the, oh, I saw the cartoon one, of course. But, like, I really would prefer to see this one. So whenever I see people that are my age or a little bit younger, younger or older than me, like where are the new ideas as far as Disney is concerned? I'm like, kids don't care about an old cartoon movie. However, if you give them the exact same cartoon movie and amazing CGI, which is their generation, they're mm-hmm. waiting to do it. So, but I mean, Disney's not wrong. They've made crappier versions than CGI. Oh, Except for the Jungle Book. Except for the Jungle Book. Okay, because Jungle Book was the first one I was going to bring up because that's John Favreau. <laughs> but Dumbo was bad. I didn't see Dumbo. Um, see I didn't like the I didn't like the original Dumbo, so I knew I I Dumbo was never a story I cared for. Now I saw Janelle Monet was involved, and part of me was like, maybe. No, no she's not. But, no, she's involved with Lady the Tramp. You got your right, 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 right. Dumbo has um, Danny Newton's daughter in it. Um, yeah, Aladdin, I don't care about that. It's not good. Do you and the Beast? Okay, people are very now. Is Aladdin? Hold on, hold on. I love Beauty and the Beast. I, I saw it five times. I cried every time. I still don't beautiful see why Brandon hates it so much. I like the Emma singing. Watson. I liked everything. Emma Watson. You know what? We're just going to have to agree see, to disagree. Okay? Brandon, <laughs> this is why, Brandon, this is why I take your opinions in with a grain of salt. Because your wow. judgment of, your judgment of, is this movie good, is, was there singing Hermione good? My response, my response is, go, is always going to be, they are not going to sing as good as the professional singers that were in the Which cartoon. is why they should get professional singers to dub them like they did back in the old days. And I've always said that. <laughs> I know. And I've always... Ghosts. I've always said... Do you want that on a cap, Brandon? Actually, I, I think we should make merchandise that says that. I already do. Do you, know, <laughs> do you know when the last time Disney did that is? Because I do. I remember it. You just want to that high school musical stuff. When they dubbed, when that when they hired right. Drew, when they hired Drew Seeley to sing for Troy Bolton before they hired Zac Efron to play Troy Bolton, and Zac said, "What the fuck? I can actually sing." Like, no. And then they were like, "Well, we get you, but we already hired Drew Seeley to do this because he agreed to the tour and everything else." And then for two and three, the us High School Musical fans were like, "Troy's voice sounds different." But it's actually kind of better because they let Zach do his thing. But that's the thing. Zach Efron can actually sing. Emma Watson cannot sing. Mina Masood, bless his heart, cannot sing. Will Smith, bless his heart, cannot sing. But uh, there are people out there who can sing these parts for them, and we won't care. Rebecca Ferguson, I keep saying this every week. I feel like Rebecca Ferguson in The Greatest Showman can't sing a fucking note. They hire somebody to sing for her. No one cares. Um, the industry needs this, this own uh, 
De- Deborah uh, Killings. Yeah, Deborah Killings. Yes, Deborah Killings did that shit for who's the lady who played Paula Patton in Idlewild? Mm. Well, I wasn't gonna say that, but okay. No, she no, she she Deborah Killings literally did the dubbing for Paula Patton in Idlewild. I know, I mean, I get that, but you knew what I was talking yeah, no, about. Yeah, 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 like the secret singer who they don't credit who actually sings the songs for them, like TLC. But yeah. <laughs> but I, but I, what I was saying is she's also done the thing you were talking about. Like, she's done both. <laughs> she is multi-talented. Yes, she is. Bless her heart. Oh, any, uh, any other things that we want to discuss that people have seen? Um, um, are we talking about TV shows yet or no? Yeah, TV shows too. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. We go ahead. Let's see. Oh, so I kept seeing uh, people post about this on Facebook, and I was like, uh, I'll check it out. And I watched both seasons of Fleabag in one sitting, and it is amazing. Fleabag That's what Netflix. I've been hearing. It's on it's, Amazon I, Prime. I heard about it, but I haven't oh, watched it yet. My, like, literally, I watched the whole first season in one sitting, and then I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm not going to watch season two. And I ended up watching season two, and I'm like, and then I heard on another podcast that the, uh, Phoebe was like, she's not doing a season three, like it's finished, and I was slightly depressed. Oh, wow. Because it's so, it is so, it's tragic, it's funny, it's sad, like it is everything. It is like a perfect show. I'm not yeah. even. You know, she's got a show on Netflix called Crashing. Yes. I watched that. The show she did before uh, Fleabag. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which actually, I think, is an adaptation because it was an old British show from, like, I think maybe the 90s. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that's a remake. Yeah. And she also... I feel like she did something else. She did season one of Killing Eve. Yes. Which I still have not watched yet. So I'm, like, obsessed with her now, but yeah. And she's writing the... uh, Helping write the new James Bond movie. Nice. Shut up! Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. This is why I love the Brits. They're my people. The bitch is booked. The, um... But yeah, what? if you have Amazon Prime, watch Fleabag. You will literally not. And it's short because they're only like 22, 23 minutes. Well, now mm-hmm. I know what to watch during like, work tomorrow. The whole first season, I think I finished in like two hours. And I was like, wait, what happened? Yeah. But yeah, like check it out. It is so, so good. It is awesome. She's killing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, like, yeah. My uh, on Mondays, my evening job is so slow. I normally pull up one of my streaming services, pop my Bluetooth headphone on. So now I know what to look for. <laughs> well, I don't know uh, if you want to watch that if you still logged in at work. Like, do you have like a microphone that you use for work? Yeah, because you go, you're gonna be yelling, so you might not want to. You might want to finish uh, work first. <laughs> mm, mm, okay. Because certain characters, you go. I was like, bitch. <laughs> like, I'm uh, I'm currently. Yeah. I'm currently um, hopping between um, Food Wars, uh, which is an anime that uh, is on Hulu now, and then um, an old British show that I didn't know existed until a few weeks ago called uh, My Mad Fat Diary. Ooh, I love yeah. British shows. I'm going to check out. Um, that? It's on Hulu. It's, okay. it's called My Mad Fat Diary. It's about this fat girl who... Um, the very first episode is her getting out of a mental institution that apparently she was put in for um, self-harm. And all she is at this point is mentally unstable and incredibly horny. Like that's, that's her entire character in the beginning. And just kind of, I think I'm halfway through season one. It's good. Um, It, 
The one thing I will say it does, unfortunately, is if you ever watched the British, uh, the original version of Skins, it mm-hmm. gives me like it gives me like like half of a Skins vibe. So it's like yeah. it's not it's not quite there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good. Like it's a good show. Like I I found myself suckered in. I actually took a break because. I could tell I was reaching the emotional low point of the season and I wasn't, I was feeling emotional like in real life. And I was like, why am I emotional? Oh, cause of this show. So I like stopped watching for a few days. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was like, I don't, I don't need these runoff emotions affecting me in my regular life. Not yeah. runoff um, emotions. <laughs> <laughs> other than that. Um, yeah. What's the name of it uh, again? I'm sorry. Uh, my Mad Fat Diary. The the newest thing I've seen is that a new um don't the only new thing I've watched recently is that new uh Netflix movie. I can't remember the name of it, but it's got uh Jacob Lattimore and KJ Appa and they're it's oh, it's like summer last day yeah. of summer or something like that. Yeah, like last is summer that good? or something. It okay, so here's the thing. I <laughs> thought I was I thought I was putting on a piece of crap, feel-good teen movie that just happened to have Jacob Lattimore and KJ Appa in it. Mm-hmm. That movie is genuinely good. Oh. Then, of course, then of course they threw in my booth and Kyler Posey, and I was like, "Oh, I'm watching this." I didn't know he was in it, and at one point I was like, "I could turn this off and put something else on," but it's a good movie. And then he popped up yeah. on the screen, and I was like, "Nope, <laughs> I got to watch the whole thing." I've been um, debating watching that, but I'm like, mm, I didn't know. Like if you got laundry to fold, or yeah. you know, you just <laughs> you just you just got some food and you don't know what to put on and you yeah. feel like smiling, put it on. Like the character arcs are pretty good. It's like um mm-hmm. uh, one one couple they break up like right after high school graduation because they're like you know we we obviously can't be together post high school because we're going to schools that are far away. Right. Um, the one girl is like, oh, I, I got to get in. I got to like win this film festival over the summer. One dude is, uh, what's funny to me, and I bring this up only because I tweeted about it and I actually got a reply, which was crazy. Um, not a reply, but like a retweet with a comment. And then of course, you know, um, no, no, fa- no actor leaves those retweets with comments up for very long. It's like they do them and then they delete them the next day. But um, I tweeted at KJ Appa. I was just like, why are all of your characters musically inclined? Um, because he's actually good at all of them. And I'm like, even in the hate you give, like, yes, he's the white boy dating the black girl, but he also like makes beats. <laughs> so I'm like, do you only take roles that lean in a music direction? Because he does, there is music outside of Riverdale's soundtrack. There's music from him that you can find on like Google and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he he just replied with with like, hey, maybe someday. And I was just like, honestly, I would I would support a full a full length KJ Appa album. Cause he's got the voice and he's got, you know, talent and everything. But I'm um, not like the teacher on Glee. Oh God, no. What no Matthew. What happened to him? No, he had an album, nobody and nobody heard it. Yeah, I think I was one of the only ones. And then, of course, don't end up like Rachel either because Leah Michelle put out an album and like five people. She did? Yeah, exactly. The star of Glee put out an album and nobody cared. (laughs) Hmm. Unless you're doing... Only you can only do covers for the rest of your life. Half the cast of Glee has put out music. 
that's the thing is half the cast of Glee has put out albums and nobody oh, gave a crap about the guy from the wheelchair just has a new single. The whole like the the, the yeah, wheelchair. but he's kind of reinvented. He's kind of reinvented his film and acting career and more refocused yeah, it around the fact that he's a gay guy because he did like the Harvey Milk movie. Like he took his time. Everyone else was just like, mm-hmm. I'm either still on Glee or I'm just about to get off Glee. Here's some music, and all of us were like, we don't care. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The guy in the wheelchair was in the Harvey Milk movie. Uh, I not not the one that's like milk, but it was like something else. Like he, it may not have been the Harvey Milk movie. He did something very very gay because okay. he is he is a gay man. Like he okay. did like, he did like one or two like gay movies, but they were what like Charles the, name. So we keep saying the boy in the wheelchair. Boy in the wheelchair. What is uh, Jim? Kevin Kevin McHale. Okay. Kevin yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I. I know he wasn't a boy band for real though. Yeah, really? NLT. Yeah, NLT. He, yeah, you can you can it is hilarious like if you I mean, not in a bad way, but it's like, wow, he is really, you know, the guy he was out, he's out here jugging and doing all these yeah. boy band moves and stuff and it's like, oh. They're okay. like they were like the white B2K essentially. <laughs> is NLT <laughs> NLT was the white B2K. Um they had three singles they maybe put out an album, but I can't find it anywhere. And I actually genuinely like the three singles. Wow, I just Googled. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they are the white Outfit. B2K. Ah. <laughs> oh, B2K. What do NLT stand for? Uh, not like them. <laughs> but they were so like them. They were signed to TUG Entertainment. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? They were discovered by Chris Stokes. Oh, my God. Oh shit! This took a turn. So they, so they literally, so you were right. They were the white B two K. Yeah, no. He, so Chris he Stokes, openly, it's like the old boy who put together a new edition, oh and he put together new kids on the block. He he openly made fun of his old band when he was on Ellen because um she brought up the she brought up the boy band he used to be in, and she was like, "What were you guys called?" He said NLT, and and she was like, "What didn't that stand for?" He's like, "Not like them," even though we were exactly like them. <laughs> he didn't say wow. who them were. They have a like, simple oh. record. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I learn no. something new every time I'm on this damn podcast. I'm a genuine <laughs> fan of Kevin McHale. Um, other than that, um, the uh, the My Hero Academia movie just became available on like digital download in America, so okay. I bought that and rewatched it. Okay, but, uh, that's about it as far as me and what I've been watching. Right. Anime watched, and um, British stuff. Yeah, I've, after I finished Fleabag, I was like, I need all my Brits. So I started. Well, I started. I realized that I'm severely behind on Luther. So I watched like four episodes nice. today. That was. As, I was like, this is. I can't do anymore because it was too much. I started hearing noises, and I was like, let me turn this off. Oh. Um, but I also watched What Women Want. Uh, really? Taraji P. Henson. I, I Mel Gibson. I actually. Oh, what, paid, what? Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. You mean? No, no, no. What women want with Taraji? Yeah. No, that's what, what. What men want. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know yeah. what I mean. You know yeah. yeah. Directed yeah. by Adam well, Shakeman. Director I actually of- paid, mm-hmm. I paid five ninety nine to watch it on demand because I couldn't wait for it to finally get on HBO or, or wherever it's going to land. So I was like, I, I want to watch it now. So I loved it. I really enjoyed that movie. Okay. It wasn't really? just your another run-of-the-mill movie that just happened to star a black woman? Like, it wasn't another one of those? Well, one of those yeah. Will, I mean, Will Packer types? 
Wow. Well, yeah, he produced it. Yeah. Yeah, he produced it. And uh, I know Jazz Waters and uh, I forgot the other lady wrote it. Uh, 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 Tina... Tina, uh, Tina, Chis- Tina Chisholm, who wrote um, Little yes. and directed yes. Little, she wrote that movie too. And because Adam Shakeman directed, director of Hairspray and Bring yes. Me Down the House. Yes. Mm. But I actually, I enjoyed it. I thought it was cute. Okay. The thing is, Taraji is good in anything. Yes. Yeah. Like, like, like she has that power. Because I was watching, yes. I, I didn't mention it because I only saw it in pieces. I, um, I watched parts of Acrimony yesterday because I saw it in my collection. I just randomly Oof, just started. I keep seeing it on Amazon Prime and I'm like, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Speaking Look, of which, I told you about the perfection. Somebody told me the perfection is the acrimony of horror movies. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> but you said it was good, Kim. Oh, right, no, wait. I didn't say it was good. Oh. I. You were talking about... Okay, oh, the never. perfection. 2018. What is this? Where is this going? It's with the Get Out Girl. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Allison and, uh, Williams, and, yes. And Logan Browning. Yeah. Yes. I, I, but they do... They did wonderful performances, but ooh, that movie, like, it it it, it, <laughs> it, it... it changes, like... Like, it it becomes 20 different movies, but I think Latria basically summed it up really well when she said it looked like uh, Black Swan meets the... Um, the orchestra the orchestra but uh it's like it's got single white female it's got parts to get out it's got um some other movies uh body horror all that mm-hmm. and it's like it i mean i've read some reviews where critics loved it and mm-hmm. they talk about how lush it is and they talk about all the, everything the movie references but it doesn't come together well it's kind of like ooh, peas it's like seeing peas and carrots in your shit um it's got a 78% like, oh. in Rotten Tomatoes. It's, it, uh, maybe I didn't get it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Like, I can see how people could like it. To me, by the end, it's like, really, we're doing this? And, like, you know, it keeps on giving you these twists. But once you give me that first twist, I caught, like, all the twists that were going to happen. I'm like, right. Are they really going to turn it into this type of movie? Yes, they are. They're really going to do this? Okay. We're going here. We're going here. And it's just this descent into absurdity and madness and bullshit. Well, the, the Lifetime community is probably who gave it that 78% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would watch it again just to try to get all the references. And because it's just so bad and nutty, I couldn't. It's just like, this is bad, but I'm still going to watch it. Bad. Um, Has anybody, anybody started what on, if? Uh, I, I started, I've only seen like the first two episodes. Started what? What if? What if? Not heard of it. Renee Zellweger. Netflix. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. No, my next, uh, my next show I'm about to start, well, I guess not even show, but feature is the five part When They See Us mm-hmm. from Ava DuVernay. Yeah, the miniseries. I'm not able. I'm going to watch it eventually, but I didn't want to see oh. it this weekend. Oh. Um, I do want to watch, um, what was it? Well, I just finished watching the second season of Barry. Mm. Barry is such a great fucking show and underrated. Like, I can't believe Bill Hader is doing this. And like, it, it's, and like, I was holler. I had to talk to somebody like, and if, if I had to give people like an episode to watch of it, even though you should watch the whole show, like, you know, in order mm-hmm. because it tells a story is like they had this one episode which was basically like the the chicken fight or the cripple the chicken fight from Family Guy or the cripple fight 
from um, um South Park. But oh, okay. But basically, the whole episode is this insane fight scene. But it, it and it's like you could watch it in a vacuum in a bubble, but it relates so beautifully to the rest of the story they're telling because it's basically like it's discussing. Can you change? How does one person try to change and make themselves better? Because Barry is a hitman trying to change his life. Um, but the only thing he's good at is like killing. Um, and that's the basic premise. And it's like, as far he is always trying to escape this life, but he keeps getting dragged back in um, in these different types of scenarios, no matter what he does. Um, but he also always manages to find a way to get off the hook, too. Um, but it is an insane episode that of television and I think somebody was saying he should like there's um saying he should get at least get nominated for some awards because he directed the episode two. It's season two, episode five. I'd recommend anybody watching it. But I just finished the season finale and it, it it's so dark and it's so beautiful and it's so well written. Like and I like I didn't think it should have another season after the first season, but the second season managed to want to one up it. So hmm. cool. All right. Um Let's go ahead on to the news. And our news is actually very simple this week. There's only two things, but there are two big things that'll take us through the rest of the episode. So the first one, um, which kind of broke the internet in ways that every time it happens, it astounds me. Uh, it was officially announced that Robert Robert Pattinson, um, <laughs> the actor who once played um, the lead on the Twilight movies and then... Edward said, Cullen. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Because you know I didn't yep. know. Uh, yes. Then said, fuck movies, fuck studios. I'm going to make every single last weird indie movie that that I can possibly can. Um, has been cast to play Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Batman, and Matt Reeves' upcoming film, The Batman, which will be A.k.a. Bat Zaddy. <laughs> Jesus. Which will be filmed <laughs> this year for a release... <laughs> In 2021, I think they're actually not going to film until early January or 2020, rather. But it's going to go into release on June 25th, 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, because um, I've been watching sort of kind of like this, like, unfolding for the last, God, six months. Every white cisgender male actor in Hollywood with a sad car who's been the fifth or above lead in anything ever has auditioned for this part. <laughs> it's like... Like the old boy Aaron Taylor Johnson, who played Quicksilver in Avengers, um, not Infinity War, what's it called? Age of Ultron. He auditioned for it. I think they asked Zach Efron if he wanted to do it. Uh, but their two finalists were Robert Pattinson and Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt, who just recently starred as J.R.R. Tolkien in the movie Tolkien, and who's been playing Beast in the X-Men movies. Uh, when the news that Robert Pattinson was possibly about to be cast as Batman for, like, for a couple of days before it came official, um, people acted like um, the gates of hell had opened up and Satan had jumped out and just started slapping everybody in the face with his tail. Like, and the thing is this, I'm talking to the uh, everybody listening as well. The people, Y'all motherfuckers do this every time they cast a Batman. Have y'all realized that yet? Literally, except for the exception of Adam West, which we don't know about because they didn't cover shit like that back in 1966. Um, every time they ever cast anybody as Batman to appear in live action, everybody's been mad about it. When they cast Michael I, Keaton, everybody was extremely mad about it. When they cast Val Kilmer, I don't remember that. Oh no, that that see that was they had news articles about how much. Well, we didn't have 
we didn't have social media. So we did. No, people wrote letters. <laughs> put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, walk yes. down to the mailbox. Right. I, remember, I remember feeling iffy about Val and George. Yeah, they were. But, pe- then, but then when I saw the movies, I was like, eh, okay. They were definitely the only iffy about. I was mad about was Ben. Yeah, they were iffy about Val and George. They were right, very so mad about Christian Bale because Christian Bale had mostly oh, played like romantic what? leads and sort of kind of like. Like the like the the unsure like young man in war pictures, one of which ironically is Pocahontas. Um, <laughs> and uh, when Ben Affleck was cast, uh, mm. I remember that was when that, you know social media was around and like solidified by then. People were so. Was that the first? Was that was that the first Batman that social media massacred? Yes. Well, yeah. the the first Batman after they massacred was Heath Ledger. When he well, was he wasn't Batman. Though. I'm talking about yeah, Batman. but like Batman, Batman. About... It was it was definitely Ben Affleck. Everybody was yeah. so pissed about Ben Affleck being cast as Batman. It was the most horrible thing ever. Well, yeah, and everything. The thing is this: it, it came true. The, no, the movie was terrible. The movies were terrible. But he was he did a great job of what he was asked to do. But what he was asked to do was some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Well, well, wasn't that wasn't that his doing too though? No. <laughs> didn't, he, didn't he help? He didn't help write it or. No. He, no. I thought was, he did. He was going to write this movie because oh, when they cast okay. him, he was supposed to right. write a write and direct a solo Batman movie called The Batman. But oh, okay. he, when they paired him with Jeff Johns, who at the time was the head of um, the chief creative officer of DC Comics, and they wanted him to work on the movies now, and uh, Affleck and Jeff Johns didn't get along. No script got written, and then Ben Affleck went back to rehab and everything. Alcoholism kicked back up uh-huh. again. Justice League reshoots. Batman's fat. Justice League is a gigantic flop. <laughs> and of course, by fat, they mean like 15 pounds overweight. But that, was the, that was the thing surrounding uh, Justice League. Batman's fat. Um, and then just, Marvel decided to say, oh, word. Like, Batman's fat. <laughs> right. I just slid it in there. I just slid it in there. Justice League. Justice League. Like, we can't. We can't. We can't legally tell you to lose weight, but you know, tighten up. Yeah. <laughs> tighten up. Oh, tighten up. But yeah, Justice League lost so much motherfucking money. Everybody got fired, including Ben Affleck. So that's what happened with that. Did he get fired? Or did he quit? He got fired. They. The, oh. um, the, the um the paparazzi um. There's some stealth things. So the new people who were like, what's what's the man's name who's head of um the DC movies now? Uh, Walter Hamada, him mm. and Toby Emmerich, the paparazzi got them pulled up to Ben Affleck's house about mm, five five or six months ago. <laughs> and then mm. it, it was whatever it was. It was a month before they put out that statement that Ben Affleck was saying, "I'm stepping away from Batman." Mm. So fire. <laughs> <laughs> Because later, everybody got fired. Jeff Johns got fired. John Berg, who was the head of the DC movies with him, got fired. Uh, Kevin Sujihara got fired for other shit. Uh, the head of marketing at Warner Bros. got fired. Uh, Zack Snyder, as we already know, he got fired. Uh, Josh Wheaton got fired. You know, they, they cleaned the house. <laughs> Josh Wheaton, he did all those CW shows. What did he do back in the day? Buffy the Buffy. Vampire Slayer and, uh, and Angel. Yeah, yeah, Josh Wheaton. Among other things. Yeah, because with Justice League... Uh, I think we talked about this, but just like for audience, just a quick reminder: Zach Snyder directed Justice League. Um, they weren't happy with it. They fired him at the same time his daughter committed suicide. Uh, they mm. brought in Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon had already been brought in to do rewrites, 
but they asked us we to direct the rewrites. And so they reshot roughly half the movie four months before it was due to come out. Didn't delay it because they uh Warner Bros. had just been bought by ATT and Kevin Sujihara and Toby Emmerich, who were the heads of Warner Brothers, were scared they wouldn't get their bonuses because they thought they would be replaced and fired after this merger was completed. So they didn't delay Justice League. They put it out for um, even though they just done them reshoots and they were extensive reshoots. Those are the ones where Henry Cavill had his mustache and they had to take it out using CGI and it didn't work. Movie was fucking terrible. Movie lost because movie costs they say three hundred million dollars plus a hundred plus two hundred million more for marketing, but it might have cost more than that, a little bit more at least. Um, and it only made six hundred and fifty-seven million dollars worldwide, which means that it lost a bunch of fucking money. Everybody got fired. So here we are. This is why they aren't doing like. People wondering why why doesn't the DC movies why they like Marvel leading up to events? This is why they aren't doing that event shit anymore. Not for a long time at least, because they got burned. They say they feel so. It'll be individual movies like the Batman, Birds of Prey, and Shazam. The only things that spend money on is Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Because Aquaman people love it overseas, and Wonder Woman people love it here. So sounds like they finally learned their place. They, I think, I, I actually agree. Because uh, uh, well, well, not 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 their place, like like. Like 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 slavery, or whatever, but like I know, right? But like like DC DC movies, well DC characters in the comics at least. Whenever they do team ups and shit, it's not like how the Marvel characters. Like Marvel characters, mostly all created by like a small brain trust of Stanley and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. Like there's a commonality in how they're written and sort of kind of conceived. And the outliers, they find a way to blend them in easily. The DC characters don't fit together that easily. And plus, with Superman and Batman being as iconic as they are, and Superman being as old a character as he is, they're always like, they're torn between, we should do a cool take of Superman, or it should be like Christopher Reeve and nothing else. And they don't know what to do with these characters. So it's easiest for them to just take individual smaller things and make smaller movies and just focus on trying to make a profit from all the shit. They should be going after all the shit that you wouldn't think they would make. Like a Booster Gold movie should be in the books. They're making Blue Beetle. They should actually make that. Like small things that would work as individual movies. Birds of Prey is a good If idea. they make, if they, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about Birds of Prey. But if they make a Booster Gold movie, honestly, I would see it only if it was marketed to me as a comedy because that's what Booster Gold it, is. It has to be a comedy. If you make a Booster <laughs> Gold movie, it has to be a comedy. But um, I actually, so here's the thing, I both like and hate. This like, okay, hey, we tried to build a universe that didn't work. So we're backtracking thing just because when they were trying to, I don't know if you guys remember, but when DC was like, we're going to try to build a universe, Sony was like, we're going to do the mummy and we're going to do this. And we're going to build like a universal. Yeah. Universal was like, we're going to make the dark universe while DC is like, all right, it's time for the DC universe films. And Marvel's like, guys, we've been doing this since 2006 at this point (laughs) or, or 2008. Like, come on now. We've been, we, we've been trucking like, that you're you're like five years too early to try to pull off some shit like this this quickly. But like Justice League was a trash movie. But see, here's the problem is now you have Wonder Woman, which its first one was great. Yes, her part of Justice League was trash, but that's because she went from being written by an intelligent woman to being written by a dude and then rewritten by an by another dude who's like, okay, let me try to fix this. And of course he couldn't fix everything. Joss is amazing, but Bring him in from the beginning if you want 
top quality product. Um, the issue for the issue I have with it is now their properties are scattered all over the place among all these new ideas, which some are good and some I just don't agree with. Like I have absolutely no desire to see the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Well, they're, they're making that just because, like that's, that's the weird thing about how they're. I guess one thing they have to figure out how to promote that as it not being attached to the other films. It's just being made because they want to try to get Joaquin Phoenix the Oscar for Best Actor. That's really don't and see that's uh... the thing you can't you can't be like here's Suicide Squad where there's Harley and here's Birds of Prey where there's Harley and there's probably going to be another Joker cameo. It might not be Jared. It might be someone else. And then be like, but we're also making this art house artsy descent into madness period piece that has nothing to do with his actual origin story and it's just called joker like no that does the, the movie has nothing to do with the character the joker it's just being called joker and i hate that <laughs> I... what do you, you you say it doesn't have anything to do with the character joker from what I've seen of what's being said about it and the preview, it has nothing to do with his origin story whatsoever. There's no actual from DC comic stuff in there. It's just being called Joker. Well, it's inspired by the Joker and the idea, like, because I mean, the Joker's origin's always been kind of one of those things in the Batman books that's been like, do we know or do we not know who he is? They've kind of created their own for the movie. And I can see what you're saying. Like, it's not based on any like real canon. But at the same time, I think they've taken the essence of what the Joker is. And from what I've seen, inspired by like the grittier ideas that we thought about Batman, like, you know, you see uh, elements of the, you know, late 70s, early 80s, movies like Taxi Driver and created, a, a, yeah, and created a narrative that would fit creating a character like Joker. Um, and like, even though it's not based on any interpretation of Joker that we know from the comics, because there are many different origins that they've come up with for the Joker or ways that, you know, he, he came about. I, I still, I still have faith in this one. Like, I mean, and that was kind of one of the elements that they had. And what was that movie? Um, the dark Knight. Uh, yeah. like where basically everybody's like, what's the Joker? Like, you know, what, who is he? What's his origin? How did he get his smile? And stuff like that. So playing with his origin is in there. I, at this point, it looks good. If it, and I'll give it to it. If it's, if it is good, I'm not as, um, faithful to the comics as much as I'm faithful to a good story that is what well, you, you you use the term for this Brandon I can't remember it what it is like basically you're not beholden to it but you you like the essence of it or something like that yeah like like you like the you understand like the es- like the essence works like the idea of it like the true to the spirit of the thing yeah the, the spirit yeah and this feels like this feels like if this the the way my body and soul reacted to the Joker trailer is the same way my body and soul reacted to the Venom trailer. I hope I'm wrong, but that's how I felt. I mean, those are very different movies, just in general. I mean, they they're different, but my first thought was you're 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 doing a movie about the apex villain of a top-notch, like ten-star hero that's known worldwide. Mm-hmm. Out featuring the hero, even though it's you, these hero, these villains have one thing in common. They exist 
because of the hero. Right. That's all. That's one thing that's been a staple. That even, even whether it's the Killing Joke comics, the Killing Joke movie, the Mark Hamill Batman, Arkham, or Batman Beyond, the the statement of Batman was in front of you, you fell into a vat of acid, your skin got bleached, and you decided mm-hmm. to become a supervillain has always been a thing. So when they're like, he's gonna be, he's gonna be an out of shape man in his underwear who has a clown mask and gets beat up on the train. And then he's going to talk about life, not being a drama, but being a comedy. And we're going to make him look like he might be the hero, even though it's literally a man's descent into madness is the same as like, Hey, science lab gets hold of the venom symbiote for no reason. We don't know where it came from. We're not going to include anything. And it randomly has similar powers to Spider-Man. And we're not going to explain why, because we can't. And it's just like, and even though this is a villainous character, we're going to make them see, we're going to make you root for them. And it's just not like, it's, again, I, I hope this movie is good. I hope that this movie comes out and everybody in their mama looks at me and says, if you haven't seen this movie, there's something wrong with you. And then I see it and I go, ooh, yay. But at this moment, I actually have more faith in Robert Pattinson playing Batman than I do in this Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. And I am not a Pattinson fan at all. Okay. (laughs) So let's talk more about the Robert Pattinson thing. Like, So I know that his indie movies haven't been popular at all. They're really, really indie movies. He he basically was like, I got to do the exact opposite of what I did in Twilight. Yeah. You know, people get in those, just like everybody from the Harry Potter franchise, they're like, I I got to, I got to go drastically different from what I did in those those Yeah. Emma Watson's kind of the only one who actually stuck with like big movies. Yeah. The other two, they were like, no, I'm going to make this weird indie shit. I'll see y'all. And then Rupert was just like, I'm just not going to act, guys. (laughs) I'm going to stay home with my millions I've made up of Harry Potter. I'm good. Um, Yeah. But the thing is, even if Robert Pattinson hadn't made shit between whenever the last Twilight was and this, it's been like years. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's been a long time. And his performance, his, here's the thing those movies, were not very good. The books they were based on weren't oh, very good. I whoa, saw. Whoa. I read every book. I read I every. Did, book. I did too. In I my, for me, per, for me personally, <laughs> for me personally. <laughs> Shut up. Okay, that's what I'm saying. For me personally, they mm-hmm. were engaging, but they were the kind of books that, whereas with other books that I read, I was like, ooh. I could go back and reread that. I never had a desire to reread any Twilight book other than Breaking Dawn. And Jacob was my favorite character throughout the entire story. Now, as far as which actor acted the best in the movies, Robert. Like, I hated that Taylor Lautner didn't deliver Jacob as well as I hoped he would have because I actually liked Taylor as an actor. But Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart were the two best actors. They also just happened to have two of the worst written characters because the way Stephanie Meyer wanted the characters to be is they wanted, like Bella was supposed to be 
every single girl possible. So she wasn't supposed to have a personality. So that's like that's why I love the internet. Anyone who knew anything about Twilight, when they were like, when they were like Kristen Stewart can't act, they were like, yes, she can. Bella's just not a well-written character. And then, you know, um, like Robert Pattinson came forward and like during filming the Twilight movies, like during film or right after filming the first one, he was like, Edward's the creepiest son of a bitch I've ever heard in my life. And I'm here now, so I'm going to do it. But I'm not hype about it. <laughs> like he blatantly did not approve of Edward Cullen and he had only finished the first movie. So, I mean, him going and being like, okay, I need to prove myself as a real actor. So I'm only going to take scripts that I'm interested in and that are weird because I'm weird. That didn't really surprise me. But I, I feel like at the same time, and this is going to be a really controversial statement, but it's the funniest and most articulate way I've heard this depicted. It's not even my statement. I read it on Twitter, but I completely agree with it. It's that people are mad that the emo boy fantasy that all the girls had when we were in high school is about to play the emo boy fantasy that all the men have and have had for the past, like, 30 years. Oh, that's not controversial law. It's 100% true. As a matter Batman, of fact, Batman is a white like emo that. fantasy. Let me, yeah. let me jump onto that. So, Absolutely. a lot of the reason people are mad about this Robert Pattinson casting is because, and this is, yeah, I, um, this might be the one where people... Scream at us. People, <laughs> there are men, supposedly okay. heterosexual men, lots of them. Wow. Who, I mean, everybody, I feel like, very attacked every, right now. Everybody, <laughs> everybody is somewhere on the spectrum, let's be honest. Put your dukes up. All right, all right. <laughs> who are sexually attracted to Batman somehow. I don't understand it. But they want, wow, we, we... they want. They, they're <laughs> when they get mad about these castings because whoever it is that is playing this Batman does not match up to their their whatever fantasies they have power fantasy sexual fantasy it may not be sexual they may just be power fantasy whatever rough uh. trade ass dark dirty big buff whatever scruffy looking Batman I person they've imagined. Brandon, stop. I think so. That explains why I don't. I'm not projecting because I think this is a great casting. Um, I'm just like, I'm just always in shock when people are so upset when like they cast actors to play parts in movies. After, like, it's one thing if they had just come to Robert Pattinson and say, Robert Pattinson, you want to play Batman? Cool, that's fine. But when you have six months of goddamn auditions and screen tests and tests for the executives and everything. And it's you and, and other people, all, all, everybody's vying for the part and everything. And you actually prove yourself worthy of playing the shit and you're mad about it. What's going on here? But people, I just feel like, I just, about all that, Brandon. We didn't see the test shoots. I mean, yeah, I just feel like people, it's you, a holdover from people being like, oh my God, that Twilight sparkly dude's gonna play Van, like Batman. I think, I feel like that's what the man. I know. At the same time, like, 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 a lot of actors are got. Are, most actors, real good actors, are versatile as shit. Mm -hmm. Zac Efron, the boy from High School Musical, is playing Ted Bundy right now on Netflix. Well, in oh. in defense of in defense of the man, the myth, the legend that is Zac Efron, you wow. can. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've been a fan since before High School Musical. Summerland was my shit, and I only watched it for his character. And this was before I, I'm assuming this was you saw The Greatest Showman in the theater for, for Zac Efron? 
Oh, of course another I do. Movie that <laughs> oh, no, no. Wait, Wait hold on, another hold on. movie that Actually, I love that Brandon saw it, saw it for Zendaya. Saw it for Zendaya in theaters. Bought it for Zach and Zendaya, and that's the only reason I have that movie. I don't give oh, a damn they had about the best. They had the best song. They do, and I oh do not. I do not give a shit. I do not give a shit oh about God. the whitewash Disney. Oh, here's P.T. Barnum. He was super nice and stuck up for the weirdos. No, he put people in cages. He owned slaves. He was a terrible person. I don't give a fuck about the Hugh Jackman side of that movie. The only parts of that movie worth watching that I can watch again and again and again and again and again is every scene with Zach and Zendaya because they yeah. killed it, Fair. including the scenes with Hugh. The other side musical number in the bar, love that part. Their scene, Rewrite the Stars, best oh. part of the movie. Him yelling at his parents because they're like, you're masquerading with the help. And he's just like, and he looks at his mom and says, don't ever talk to her like that. Anyway, Zach, Zach circumvented all that by literally being like, he was, he finished filming High School Musical 1. And then he went to a play with like his manager, saw Hairspray, said, I could do this. And then found out they were making the movie. Like he did projects while doing High School Musical so that nobody would ever just look at him and go, oh, that's the dude from High School Musical. He didn't, he knew, he knew the minute he got that, that role and the first one blew up. He was like, okay, this is amazing. I'm super happy about it, but I need to keep working. Because <laughs> if I just ride this, I might not get anything else. I don't like the fact that he's choosing to play Ted Bundy, but I'm glad that he's doing something that's like so far out of his wheelhouse because he was almost like, I mean, when he made that movie, The Lucky One, a few years ago, I was worried. Ooh, I, that was what worried you? I, I was worried with Charlie St. Cloud. That was when I was like, Ooh. I was that worried was, with uh, Baywatch. Baywatch. Oh, I loved Baywatch. Maybe Baywatch was well, Baywatch maybe because was, he was like shirtless and you know his body. Right. But Baywatch was outside like of Baywatch. Zach's wheelhouse at the time. Like Zach's only done two comedy or three comedies. Uh well four. Neighbors, neighbors to wait, wait a minute. It was not out of his wheelhouse. <laughs> well, I mean he, I mean, I'm joking. If it, I mean, I see what you're saying. He was the hot drama guy until then. And then he had like a year and a half where all he did was comedy because he wanted to prove he was funny. But then he also did that We Are Your Friends movie to be like, okay, here's something with some depth that my generation will be attached to. I never saw it that. Did see that? I feel it was like okay. He, I feel like he's done a bunch of movies outside of like, you know, The Greatest Showman, a few of those other movies you mentioned, Amelia, that were just okay. So while you're saying he's been working a lot to try to establish himself as a well-rounded actor, as far as um, the the math majority goes, we don't know him as a well you know well-rounded actor because we've never seen him in these roles. Because for whatever reasons, and I won't say that Zach was a reason for it, we you know nobody's seen these things. Right. But so, um. But yeah, so he could have played a superhero. To be honest, my dream choice for a Batman, um, the dude is at least five to six years too young. So he would have been uh, the perfect choice for Nightwing, which is Dylan O'Brien. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't. That's that's clearly not happening. Um, I feel like Robert Pattinson's going to kill it. But yeah. my biggest my biggest point of interest is. Um, have they confirmed who the villains are going to be? Um, because so the rumor is that 
It's going to be the Penguin, Catwoman, and somebody else. I heard Clayface. Clayface. Kevin Smith. Yeah, Kevin Smith said Clayface. And I'm really interested to see them do Clayface. I kind of feel like they only threw in Catwoman the same way most, the same way people throw in like, you know, oh, you're doing Spider-Man? You got to throw in this character. And it's like, oh, we've seen this. I think the reason she's in there is because in like the um, it's supposed to be based on the comic Batman Year One. She's oh. actually in. The, she's actually in there. Okay, I didn't know they were basing it off something. Yeah, I, no Batman Year One. That's why that's why he wanted a young Batman in the first place. That sounds great. I'm so glad that they're using an actual basis because before, I mean, even with the Nolan films, it was what's a hot ticket item for Batman? What's a hot character? Oh, this is. Okay, let's throw it at the wall, see what sticks, and call that our script. Yeah. Like, and and, 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 and that's always touch and go. It can work. It often does not. But I was going to also, um, so the rumor I've heard for a long time is that they, uh, that Josh Gad wants to play the penguin. And he's sort of kind of, I talk, would, I would love, that. love that. I would love that. That would be it. great. I'm would for be great. it. I am for the, oh my God. Yeah. He has the range. I do worry. I do worry that using the penguin when apparently the penguin was, I didn't watch the show. Well, I did. I watched like half of season one, figured it was trash. So, yes, but the penguin was a dominant force in that show, to my understanding. Did he so, have, I did, was this penguin closer to Burgess Meredith or closer to Danny DeVito? I didn't watch the show. Uh, um, he was he was skinny and like kind of meek. But then apparently he became more gangsta as time passed. But then by then everybody was sucking the dick of the um, the would be Joker character that they threw in that they said wasn't the Joker, even though he had the storyline of the Joker. <laughs> well, so, that, well, that that was a contractual thing. They weren't allowed to use the Joker. Right, but let's just do Ooh, the storyline. I'm sorry, that's me. I'll stop. Yeah, it's I love the I love this. I love I this whole. Let me see how to move on this app. Yeah, I love that they claim it's not the Joker, but they went so far as to have his face get ripped off of his face and then have him staple his face back on, which is which is straight out of the graphic novels yeah, or they the comics to have their of the cake Joker. And eat it too. That happens. Sometimes. Right. Like, it's like, oh, this isn't the Joker, but he's got the plot lines of the Joker, and I was just like, okay, great, <coughs> thank you. This is annoying. And they turned him into the Joker for that last that that series finale, which you know is like. I guess they're allowed to do that since the show is ending and, you know, they could probably spend more money on the finale as well. Same with having Bruce be 15 wearing a Batman costume because... Didn't they jump ahead mm, 10 years? Oh, they jumped yeah. ahead a lot. Yeah, they jumped ahead like, he a, was, like a bunch for that last tip. Last he episode. didn't even... He didn't even travel the world to like learn skills. He was just an emo child whose parents died. No, I'm talking about the last episode of Gotham. Partner. Like the last oh. episode of Gotham, like it's. it's I was talking about the over. whole series over. I I think so. I was just referring to the whole series yeah. overall because it was supposed to be a James Gordon tries to get the mobs of Gotham under wraps series. Like that's how it was marketed to us in the beginning, and then nobody nobody was watching that hard. So then they were like, "We're just gonna throw as many Batman villains as we can in here, even though it doesn't make sense." Right. I I never understood okay. that show, but anyway. All right. Any final? I I am I'm excited about Robert Pattinson because honestly, at this point, when it comes to DC films, if it's not Wonder Woman, Shazam, or Aquaman, you you 
<laughs> take what you can get. Not one of Aquaman. They're not making it. <laughs> right. <laughs> or Batman. So, so. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. It's like, even with Batman, like, you're, you're in a tough spot. Like, you've had three successful films. You better just, you better take your time or just hope you get lucky. So, as a semi-Batman fan, I'm interested. Though, at the same time, there's part of me that says I'm really tired of the movies about the angsty, emotionally unstable white rich man who dresses up in a bat costume. But considering I will take every movie about the angsty white boy in the Spider-Man costume, maybe that's just my biases. (laughs) Right. Now, I have a question, um, mostly for Ken. Um, So the only Matt Reeves movie I've ever seen, I think it's his, is the first um, Planet of the Apes. You made that right. The first of uh, the new ones. Um, um, I saw the first one. Yeah, it was actually pretty good. Yeah, I haven't seen the other two. Talking about with uh, Mark Wahlberg. So? Yeah, yeah. No, no, oh. not Mark Wahlberg. Um, no, the, the, oh. the, the, the James Franco? James Franco. James Franco. Twenty Eleven. Yeah. Oh. Rise of the Planet oh. of the Apes. That one. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So my question is, can Matt Reeves pull this off from the directing and writing standpoint? Oh, definitely. Okay. From yeah, definitely. I heard he did an action flick not too um a few years back. Let me go look. Uh, that's that's mostly what I would worry about. I wouldn't even worry about who they cast as much as who the director is. That's really what mostly seems to determine these things. Oh, Maybe he I'm did conf- Cloverfield. Is that what you? No, that's not. No, I'm confusing him with somebody else. That's my mistake. Okay. Yeah, he's only he's he did Cloverfield, Let Me In, um, and he did Oh not right. he didn't do the first Planet of the Apes, he did the second two. Four and Dawn. Yeah. And now he's doing the Batman. But yeah, so I mean hopefully that turns out right. Mm-hmm. Um All right, let's go ahead on to the next thing. So WWDC is coming up. Is it this week or next week? This week. All right, so yeah. start tomorrow. Oh Lord. So, I mean, my timeline will be filled with news. Um, <laughs> so, ahead of WWDC, Apple has sort of kind of been quietly, like, removing all of their iTunes branding and their iTunes social media because the word is coming that they are um, <laughs> basically, they're end of lifing the iTunes platform and instead going to how they have it on the phones. Currently, where they have a separate app for music, podcasts, and TV. Now, because it's the internet, a lot of folks just saw the headline, Apple is ending iTunes, and they started freaking out. Um, and basically being like, what's happened to my songs that I've bought and everything? And like, what's happened to my music? How will I listen to my music? How will my iPod work and everything? Um, God. Just, yeah, yeah. People are so slow. People, click, just read for three seconds. It's like, Ooh, you know, like, like... No, they just see a headline and go and think they have the whole story. Right. But like, so... what? One thing... one. I guess um, serendipitous thing that came out of this is people remembering how iTunes basically changed the way we listen to music over the years. 
Because first of all, that iTunes app needed to be broken up a long time ago. I open it on my computer and it takes up like a quarter of my resources when it, sh- it shouldn't do that if I just want to play a freaking song or a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> they should have done this a while ago. It needs to be rewritten from the ground up and with better um, APIs and everything. That's that's that. But like iTunes, I actually wanted to ask you guys, um, I'm, I'm going to start with um, with uh, Ken and then I'm, I'm going to come right back. I got to go run right quick. But like what... Was your first experiences with guess with like digital music, and as far as like in iTunes or anything that was similar, and did you have like an iPod or anything like that? Wow, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I think I had a college roommate who had an i um, an iPod. That was my first experience. I didn't have one for years. Like I don't know why I was so behind on like technology. But I had a Walkman forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really. I never had. I had like uh, it was the iPod Shuffle. I think I got one of those as a gift, and that was my first portable device. And after that, it was like I would listen to music on my phone. But I never actually had an iPod, which is strange. Well, now now I remember I had an iPod Shuffle, and I had entirely forgotten that. <laughs> I got in like a contact, I think maybe from work or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have the fourth, I think it's the fourth or fifth generation. One of the ones where like has a screen where you can, you can watch videos on it. It's like the wide ones. And then I actually bought a shuffle maybe like four years ago to use in the gym. And it is like in the bottom of the drawer. Cause I just use my phone. <laughs> But I think I think having the phone was really the revolution for me. Mm-hmm. Because, um, I mean, even though I like my shuffle now, don't get me wrong, I love that yeah. little thing, especially in the gym. Yeah, um, I stopped using my iPod because the phone. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, all in one. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, my wife had her iPod Classic for forever and then finally mm-hmm. moved to, you know, to kind of Apple Music and streaming and in the car instead of, you know, still carrying that, Old, old iPod finally switched to using the phone. I mean, yeah. that, that took a long time. Yeah. The only thing, I don't want to get rid of my iPod because it has all of my um, <coughs> LimeWire songs on there. <laughs> that So I like, I can't plug it up to my computer because it's not going to recognize anything. So I'm like, I need to get a new, uh, like, 30-prong USB cord so that I can use it again and charge it. Because I'm like, I don't want to get rid of these. I have, like, thousands of songs that I can't, I don't want to delete them. Well, I mean, you, they still do the, like, music match or whatever on Apple Music or something, right? Yeah. You, you, you got, you, if, you were, if you're paying for Apple Music, nine ninety nine a month, it'll do, like, the music, the, um, the Apple match. Right? I ain't taking no chances. I ain't taking oh, no chances. Well, well, as somebody who also <laughs> might have songs, or somebody who looks like me, who might have songs that fell for truck someplace <laughs> over the years... Right. Right. Who knows where those right. MP3s came from? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they, I opened my folder and they were just in there. Like, ooh, how nice. Um, yeah, it matches. But up. I also, I also don't want to put all that on my computer too. So that's another right. reason why. Yeah, because for me, like, I started in um, college. I remember the good old days mm-hmm. of um, dial-up. Where it took you like an hour to get like one copy of Pink's Most Girls down. <laughs> wow, you're telling oh, yourself. Man. Wow, Brandon. I, I don't remember wow. that. I'm a millennial. I've always had broadband. Of all the songs, you could have used as an example. 
No, because I remember distinctly. So I was, I, I was thinking, remember that with how long it took the downloads. I remember I was like, I want to hear this shit. I've been watching the video so many times. I want to hear those girls what a man with the baby and I and shit just. Oh, that, that's the question. What is the real love, Brandon? Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe no, we need to do an episode of like what's on your old iPod because that's this know. episode. We talk about it now. Oh, a whole entire guys. I need to go through song by song. What's on Brandon? You can't. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> song by song will be here all year. Oh, um, but um, but yeah, I, mean, I oh, start. You know what? You know what we need to do a top twenty-five most played. That's what we need. I'll do it today. But let me. Uh, let me. We ain't got my... time for that today. We got a little time. I mean, it's not that many. I won't go into the history of each one. I promise. Um. At one point in the mid-2000s, I got a subscription to E-Music, which is still there. Hallelujah. Um, wow. I hadn't heard that. E-Music used to let you download, like, whole albums and stuff. Like, one album, like, at a time, basically. And you get to keep it. And that's how I got a lot of Stax records. For some reason, uh, Fantasy Incorporated, who owned Stax at the time, they put all their stuff on E-Music. Because I think... Because they put all their jazz albums up there, too. And... So, like, I have, like, whole albums of Stash Records from, like, the 60s and 70s that I got from eMusic. Uh, then after that, you know, when I, like, because I was all the time buying CDs, and I digitized every CD that I had as I got it. Like, it would be buy the CD, open it, open it up, take the plastic off, put it into the um, CD um, drive. Um, Amelia, I know you're young. CD drives are these things that we use where we have a little a disc that we put into a drive. <laughs> Brandon, you want to know something funny? What? So I went to this um, this uh, like creative event on Friday, mm-hmm. and somebody had to explain the little thing you put on in the like when you have a 45 to fit for the side for the regular record. Yeah, the little, and I didn't the know little adapter. That. Yeah, the little adapter. Yeah, somebody had that as their like as a, a as a as a like a, a key a necklace. Yeah, yeah. and I th- I thought it was just a peace symbol. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> like, oh yeah, she has the he has the forty five adapter as a necklace. I'm like, a what? <laughs> yeah, because the forty five has a larger hole. Like, you got to put the adapter on. Like, like they were designed to be at first played on smaller uh, record players, mm-hmm. but then like we. If you have a 33 and a third regular, like, lp size player, you got to put that adapter on to play any 45s. Yeah, most I never them, knew what that was. Yeah, most of them have, like, fancy ones that are built into, like, the chassis of the record player. You just pull out, put in, and then put back into the same, like, sort of kind of perforated hole, more or less. And that's how they are now. Um, most of my MP3s came mostly from me buying massive box sets of old-ass music. Like, you know, like the four disc and the five disc, that was me all day in sort of like the mid to late 2000s. Um, when I, I didn't get an iPhone until I think 20, 2009. I remember this because like I went on a trip with um, some of y'all one of these years and everybody had GPS except for me and I got lost. So <laughs> <laughs> that was like, okay, I need to get into the new millennium and get me a goddamn iPhone. And I used to not like it because of sort of kind of the same reason I think that Richard's wife probably didn't like it. The whole thing of I can only have so many songs at a time on the thing. And so I'd be constantly switching them out and everything. I'd be frustrated. I would um, put, I when I finally got a car that could play MP3s, I would put, I would burn CDs. I still Ugh, have a couple miss, of these. I miss those days. Like, um, and I would burn like MP3 CDs so I could fit like like eighty songs onto one. Um, Listen, and put it on the DVD R. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, you could have so yep. <laughs> so many songs. 
Um, and so I would do that for a very long time. Eventually, Apple Music came along and I got that. And now, so I basically have my whole collection. More or less, except that, you know, every now and then Apple Music is confused by the song. Like, DMX's um, What They, um, who, who We Be, will play, like, the edited version. And I, I don't need that. Um, <laughs> it'll give me the live version of some songs, that, like the studio version. I'll have to resync it and basically, like, or go find the live, the, the, the studio version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what we don't know is. Um, and, I mean, but it's gotten better over, like, when it, it was really rough when they first started Apple Music. It was really rough. But now, of course, you know, when new albums come out, I just go to Apple Music and listen to them. Like, I don't have to worry about trying to. Right. Find them any place. They're usually right there. Like, um, I still only buy like my core people who I really, really love. Right. Those are like the only people whose albums like I'll actually go in iTunes and buy them. Yeah. But other than that, I'm like, mm, we're just gonna stream it, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna delete it because I ain't listen to it. Right. <laughs> like a lot of like, like that. Um, just me like filling in random holes and, like, albums that I have parts of, mm -hmm. which are mostly soundtracks, really. Yeah. Uh, Although I, re I realize now, though, with, like, the whole digital era, I don't listen to whole albums like I used to. Because, you know, like, when you were in the car, like, you can't just, like, put it on shuffle and, like, put... Well, unless you have, like, a six-CD changer or something like that. <laughs> I had one of those. <laughs> was, it in, was it in the trunk? You had to go. Oh, no. Mine was under my seat. <laughs> oh wow! Mine was in like in the dash, but I remember some that would be like in the trunk. So you gotta like you know load it up for your trip. Mm -hmm. Put you know put what you want in, in slot one, what you want in slot two. You gotta remember which was which, and all of that. But like you know when you're stuck in the car, like you had to go through like you know whole albums. And I just realized now that it, you know you can just pick a song and just like skip it and then go to a whole other genre or you know a whole another album. Right. So I don't really like listen to to albums like I used to, and like unless it's um, it just depends on the artist mm -hmm. and it depends on the album. But yeah, I just yeah, it's definitely changed the way I listen to music too, because yeah. I'm not as engaged with an entire album because now I'm just like I I just want to hear this one song. But you, you had to buy a whole album and you know sit through it. Yep. In many ways, it's kind of a reversion of how music was in the 50s and 60s, where you sold singles way more than you sold albums. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that's been weird to me always about the way that people are attached to albums. It's it's a commercial thing, not an artistic thing. Right. Yeah. But like, if someone wants to do a whole album project, then I understand that. But that's just the way that the business is, and that's why everyone makes albums. It's not because that's the best way to distribute music. Right. Like, right. It was about I love getting it. more artists can just drop songs. Yeah, it's about getting yeah. more money because albums back then you could sell them in the stereo because you couldn't really sell a stereo single. So you could sell a stereo album, you get five dollars instead of getting like one dollar. You know. Yeah. It was that mm -hmm. thing. Uh, so Latree, I'll do this right quick. Top twenty-five okay. most played songs. Um, Every song on this list was recorded before 1970. Of course. Of course. Already knew. Uh, right? You're not telling before me. 78, before 78. Mm -hmm. um, so number one is Dancing Machine by the Jackson 5. Come on! The alternate version that has the deleted bridge and the deleted ending. 
Uh, number two is Le Freak by Sheik, which is the newest song okay, on this list. Okay, all right. Um, number three is He's All I Got by The Supremes. Yes. Number four is Flower Child by David Ruffin. I don't know that. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's from his first solo album. It's the last track of his first yeah, solo album. When he got fired from The Temptations, he um, got a solo deal from Motown as compensation for not for um, for a lawsuit settlement. And he of course, recorded. of course, you know all this. Yeah, so he recorded a few solo <laughs> albums that didn't really sell. The best-selling single he ever had was "Walk Away from Love" in '75. That's the song everybody knows, but I don't think they know that's him. I don't know it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number five is "I'm a Sucker for Your Love" by Tina Marie and Rick James. Okay, I'm seeing a theme here. Okay. Uh, number uh, six is "Check Out Your Mind" by The Impressions. Curtis Mayfield and the Impressions. That's the Never last song they put out them. before he okay. went solo. Ah, didn't know he was in the group. Okay. Yeah, he was. He was the. Um... That was everybody in the group because I didn't know Luther was in the group too. Yeah, yeah, Luther was in Change. Yeah, I, mm. everybody. A lot of people started out in groups. Uh, mm. Then we have "You Can't Hurry Love" by the Supremes. Okay, okay. <laughs> a lot of heartbreak on here, Brandon. <laughs> My baby is by the Soul Children. The Soul Children were at those stats records. Two guys and two girls. They were replacement for Sam and Dave when the whole Stacks Atlantic Warner Brothers thing imploded in 68. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heaven Must Have Sent You by the Elgins. They were like a minor act on Motown. Mm. This Old Heart of Mine is Weak for You by the Isley Brothers, which is also my, my, um, my alarm clock song. Because mm. uh, I needed a song that I could hear every day and not get pissed at. So... <laughs> um, SOS Stop Our Own Side by Edwin Starr. Mm-hmm. This Old Heart of Mine's Week for You by Tammy Terrell is her cover oh. of it. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody sees the trend here, right? Uh, um, yes. We I, do a show based on your top 10 alone and your history behind each one of them. Listen, for real, I am so intrigued. I got a now, feeling. Now I'm like, I don't want to play my little ratchet list. <laughs> no, it's fine. I want to hear everybody else if they have them. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. I Got a Feeling by Barbara Randolph. We covered her on the show years ago. She was supposed to be the new third Supreme after they fired Florence, but Diana didn't like her. So okay. Mo- Motown just gave her a solo contract and this sort of kind of sent her on, her on her way. A lot of, lot of Diana-themed. Uh... She was prettier and she could sing better. Mm-mm. <laughs> And she was also already an, an actress in movies. She she has a small part in um, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner as the young assistant maid to um, Isabel Sam. Mm. Uh, Get Ready by the Supremes is a cover. Hold up, hold up. Isabel Sanford, like Wheezy Sanford? Yeah, she's she's like the fourth or fifth lead in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. She's the maid who don't want Sidney Poitier to marry her um, employer's white daughter. Oh, I never saw that version. I didn't know she was in it. No, yeah, yeah. Hmm. She's really good in it too. She's playing a coon, but she's really good. In it. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, uh, tornado by Jerry Webster. This is the tornado um, dance music from The Wiz. The Wiz, mm-hmm. the, the actual Broadway version, not that Diana Ross stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Little Miss Sweetness by Bobby Taylor. Uh, so, Little Miss Sweetness is a. Miracle song, I think, or a temptation song. It's a song by Smokey Robinson that Bobby Taylor is covering. Bobby Taylor was the man who actually brought the Jackson Five to Motown. He produced their first album. He gets no credit for it. Oh. Um, Barry Gordy took all the credit basically for discovering the Jackson Five. 
and gave Harry, it to Diana Harry Ross. did a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, Good Loving by the Young Rascals. That's, I think they're, them and Tina Marie, the only white people on this list. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, who are they? The Young Rascals was like a um, a rock and sort of kind of blue-eyed soul group of the, of the 60s. They they had the song, It's a Beautiful Morning. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know that. That's their big hit. Um, I Gotta Find a Way to Get You Back by The Temptations. That is Dennis Edwards' first lead on The Temptation song. The Aretha's Dennis. Aretha's Dennis. <laughs> uh, Anything That You Asked For by David Ruffin is a track from one of his solo albums that never got released back in the 70s. Mm. They released it in 2004. Uh, this So Hard of Mine by the Isleys again. I don't know how that happened. There'll be two different recordings. Um, Little Darling I Need You by Marvin Gaye. That's one of his 60s hits before he became, like, you know, the beard and the, um, and the drugs. Also um, creepy. He got a song... Called Little Darling, and well, I ain't gonna yeah. get into it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Folks was trying to tell us, and we won't listen. <laughs> 24 <laughs> Hours to Find My Baby by Edwin Starr. Uh, Can't Stop Now, Love is Calling by Tammy Terrell. Touch Me, Jesus by The Glass House. <laughs> the Glass House was a group that were signed to Invictus Records, the record label that Holland Dozier and Holland founded after they quit Motown in 68. But Touch Me Jesus is not by them. It's recorded by Darlene Love and her group. Darlene Love, yeah, y'all know if y'all saw that documentary, 20 Feet from Stardom. She had mm-hmm. to sue Inventus Records because that's my voice on this record. I'm not credited. And so she right. sued them and it got pulled. Is, uh, is, it, is it a gospel song? It is. It's a gospel <laughs> funk R&B song. It's like, okay. it's upbeat <laughs> gospel. I was just wondering. I don't know. Could have gone either way. Yeah, it didn't go that way. It's it's about (laughs) literally, I want Jesus to come and touch me in my heart. My heart. Okay. My heart. Uh, (laughs) And the last one is um, Ain't You Proud to Beg by The Temptations, which is a song y'all know. All right. Yeah, so that's mine. (laughs) Cool. That tells you everything you need to know about me. Yeah. I'm clearly living. I, I have determined I'm living out like the music from my for whatever my past life was. Uh, uh, listen, you have been here before. Okay? <laughs> That's all I got to say. You have been here before. You done saved some shit and been through some shit. Just you know, sitting down, listening with your cigarette, drinking your whiskey, <laughs> with your summer linens on, your hat. Out oh on the back porch. You know. Oh my goodness. Yeah. One of them solo train outfits. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm hoping that after they announce this stuff tomorrow or whatever day it is of the WWDC, they do it, that, you know, people stop acting a fool about it. But I mean, they do this with every single Apple announcement and yeah, event. It's just, I don't know. Now, I saw some people talking about how they feel like iTunes destroyed music. This is mostly comments I saw on our Rolling Stones version of this article. Just like Netflix destroyed movie theaters? Yes. I mean, but... People don't like change. Yeah. I mean, because Netflix <laughs> did destroy, like, movies as we knew them. Yeah, it did. But it at the same time, it there was a democratization of movies. Like, you can be, get a smaller movie to more people a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Like, see you yesterday, which we talked about last week. As many flaws as the movie has, and people sort of kind of do or don't like it, you couldn't 
you couldn't force Hollywood to put out a sci-fi dramedy about black kids in a movie theater. Right. Nobody would it it would have been an indie movie that would have cost three million dollars and nobody would have ever seen it unless you were lucky. But like with Netflix, everybody can see a movie like that. With um Apple Podcasts and uh Pandora and Spotify. Yeah, I mean, like the, the indie artists can be like, cool, I can get my music out to like millions of people. Yep. Without having to go through the bureaucracy. Right. I can just just upload it and boom. Yep, like the top like artists don't make as much money at all anymore, not by a long shot, which is very true. But like it's right. easier for an art like a smaller artist to get to a larger group of people. Right. Between that and like social media, like I mean, there's going to be good. It's like the facts of life. You take the good with the bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Which I was watching the other day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, any, anything else that y'all wanted to say about, you know, the good old days of um, music listening and all that kind of good stuff? I mean, iTunes made a buttload of money off me over the years. But uh, yeah. everything I do is through Google now, so. So you're, are I you mean, buying hey. Google? Do you have a Google Music subscription? I mean, yeah, I have a Google Music subscription because I have a YouTube premium. And just that's also the default music streaming um, program that has been on the last like three or four phones I've owned right. but it mostly comes from the fact it mostly comes from the fact that I spend all my time on YouTube anyway mm-hmm. so you get YouTube premium and then you know that comes with YouTube music and then you find out about Google Play and it all that comes with Google Music as well and it's just like ten dollars for three or four different really great services why why not yeah, because, like, every song just, like, not every song, but, like, labels have uploaded a bunch of their music to YouTube. You know, you can just play, like, official copies of things on YouTube. Yeah. It's part of YouTube yep. music. That's where I go. Well, Vivo, because YouTube bought Vivo, right? Or is it the other way? I think it's, I think that's it's like a how, partnership, at least. Yeah. I think they that's have how, an arrangement. Yeah, that's how I watch music videos now. I'll just get on there and be like, oh, let me see what's on Vivo, see if anything's new on But yeah, like, I, I think. Go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say I think one of the things that people will notice is that with with this change, iTunes is going to kind of catch up to where others like Spotify and Google Music and, and the other music apps have been, because mm-hmm. they were built, you know, maybe as recently as 2010 or something like that, and something like iTunes that has been around for almost 20 years at this point, mm-hmm. just was never meant for like streaming music services, was never meant to send video to your computer and all these other things that it has to do now. And, you know, just a, a, like you were talking about using Google Music that was made for streaming. They, they built that and they were like, okay, yeah, you can upload your whole library to our cloud servers and stream everything. Yeah. And Apple just kind of had to like too, stick yeah. things on over time. And, and rebuilding a whole new app should be make things better for everybody. Definitely. Um, and, and hope, yeah, something smaller, faster, and more streamlined that'll, that won't shut the computer down if you don't happen to have 12 cores to use on your machine. Um, what else? Yeah, How the writer and director about, are way more important than who's starring. Well, but, the death you know, of the iPod, of which I feel like that. we don't need them anymore, quite frankly. No. Like, if you want to listen to all your music, you could 
you know, use Google Music or you can use Apple Music, you can have access to all of it. It won't, you know, you just download it as you need to, you know. But I know a lot of people, a lot of friends of ours um, who are quite adamant. I mean, Greg, obviously, is one of them. Like, Greg has gotten his his iPod Classic repaired and refurbished and a new hard drive and in and out and this and that. Like, and I was like, bro, get a phone. <laughs> get more space on your phone. And he won't do it. Um, <laughs> but, like, and now, because the thing is, I'm a kind of person that I like new tech. I like, I'm nosy. I like exploring new things. And that's always been me. But like, remember, I had a conversation with somebody who may or may not have been in charge of my employment, who told me people hate change and that threw me mm-hmm. for a loop. So I was like, I, I, I'm thinking, I love change. Um, <laughs> I also think it might be a Black thing. Because, you know, Black people, we like change because we need things to change for us to be able to live better lives. So I don't know. Um, but like, I don't, do people really want standalone music players at all anymore? I don't think they're necessary, but are there people like I know there are people a couple people who don't want to move on from that, but in general, do y'all feel like people are fine with how they have like music playing apps on their phones now, basically, where everything's in one place? People like routine. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's like I've got a pattern of the way I do things and I don't have to think about it. I don't have to learn anything new. I mean, and think about Apple. Apple probably should have been made this change a long time ago, or at least tried to adapt to the market. As um, Richard was saying, that iTunes was not built for today's current market, and you know, so you're starting from the ground up, or, or you know, or been discontinued. Um, but let me look at like Apple's like um, what am I trying to work with? Like even the desktop screens, mm-hmm. the operating software. How much is that, of that has like you know you do have some improvements or stuff, but the screen, the way the look, the display has kind of been the same forever. Certainly since Steve Jobs has been um, with us, like, um, I mean, so, the last big change was like Retina on Al Mac- Macintosh stuff, like. But I mean, look, Microsoft changes their shit every, what, three, two, few years? Yeah. Meaning people are having to relearn that, like how to use a Microsoft product, which, you know, after they, uh, I hate to say it, but, after they introduced the start button, how much inf- it, like how much does that ingenuity really improve the product or improve the experience for people? Um, so it's, it's just one of those things where people like routine and being able to do stuff easily, not having to relearn stuff, um, you know. And it it is kind of um, you know it's just that and you know and I can I can understand it because I've been even though I might like technology, I've been a laggard sometimes because I'm like, well, I'm doing something that works really well for me now, but then I'll switch to something new. And I'm like, oh, this really is convenient. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, I, I'm, I was a laggard to like, you know, sometimes, you know, streaming some stuff. Like I didn't like watching TV or stuff on my phone, but I'm like, you know, that comes, that does come in handy sometimes when you're just boarding around some places. Because right. I'm like, oh, it's on a small screen. You know, you can't really get into the experience of the detail. No, but you have a new defined experience. Uh-huh. And that's, that's the thing you kind of have to teach people. You have to teach, you know, you have to get them not only on the technical terms of having to learn something, but the experience therein. So very much so. All right. Let's go ahead on to the say something nice challenge section. Oh boy. <clears throat> All right. So last week we discussed, of course, um the Jason Mitchell scandal that he basically been um 
terminated from both the Shy series on Showtime and from the Netflix movie Desperados because of sexual misconduct claims, mostly centering around his co-star on the Shy, Tiffany Boone. We we literally asked last week was what did Lena Way feel about this? What did she say? What did she do? And so first, I think actually it was Monday. Um, they interviewed. Um, Ayanna Floyd Davis, who is the showrunner of The Shy. Lena Waithe created The Shy, but she doesn't work on it day to day. She's not the person in charge. Ayanna Floyd is. And she talks about how she um, basically, for the most part, she said that she censored up the hierarchy, but that Lena Waithe was hesitant to replace Jason Mitchell as the, as one of the leads on the shy. That, you know, the solution, like, was part of that reason why she got that job was because Lena Wave came in and, like, well, let's put, let's install a black woman as a showrunner because the first showrunner for season one was a white male, apparently. Uh, and let's send everybody to HR training. I'm going to go ahead and put that article also into, I'm just put that one into the chat by itself. The one where she's, um, and so everybody had HR meetings and sessions on the set in the writer's room and everything, and problems still kept um, coming up. Um, and Ayanna Floyd said she was basically told to send Tiffany Boone to HR at uh, Fox 21 and report all these things to them. And it turns out they didn't even fire Jason Mitchell until he'd been fired by Netflix from the shot. They were... Are apparently willing to hang on to him indefinitely, <coughs> which bothers me a whole bunch. Basically, what you're saying, what you're telling me without telling me, is that he had to bottle some white women before anybody acted. Hey, hello, exactly. Uh, and the thing is that so Ayanna Floyd basically said that Lena Waif was aware of what was going on and really didn't do that much about it, and then Lena said that. Well, I was told I could only do this. Uh, <laughs> so it's turned into a back and forth between Lena Waif and her showrunner. Well, her former showrunner, because Ayanna, um, well, she quit The Shy. She won't be back for season three. Uh, and she also, Lena Waif said that she didn't have the power to fire anyone. Was the thing that she says. Uh, so, I mean, who's the executive producer above her then who had the power to fire, power to fire people? Miko, yeah. look at the... the I just um, feel like it's definitely... I do feel kind of bad that she's taking the brunt of, like, the heat for this. But, like, at the same time, I'm kind of looking at her sideways. But also, it just... It's obviously a more systemic problem of, of you know, the other powers to be on that set and right. in the production studio audience who basically did not have Tiffany's best interest at heart. Right. And Ayana's, because she said that she ended up being, like, a victim of his, like, projected rage. Yeah, that too, yeah. like And stuff, like, when she started reporting stuff. Like, yeah. he basically turned on her as well. So. Yeah, so the other executive producers on the show are Common, um, Rick Femiyima, who's the man who directed Dope, and Elwood Reed, who is a white man that I don't know. Hmm. And Aaron Kaplan, who I also don't know. Let me look him up, too. 
Capital Entertainment he runs. Uh, I'm guessing he might be the person in charge. I was about to say, who would be like the actual like person, person in charge that would be like, yes, fire them or something? Didn't somebody in the group say that even though Lena was like put on, like, you know, it was her idea and she was like an executive producer, that she may have been more of like a, you know, a person like, because she's so new and probably... She was an employee. Yeah, Sha- yeah. Shantae yeah. said that and he's right. Um, because yeah. she was so Like, especially new. the first season, but after that, maybe... Mm-hmm. She got she got a little bit more clout, I guess. Yeah. Right, but she still wasn't going to be allowed to run the show because she right. didn't have the experience. They were always going to bring somebody in to do it for her. Yeah, right. That's very, that's very like true. I'm guessing the person in charge would have been um this um Aaron Kaplan because he's produced a bunch of other shows that are also still currently on the air. And mm-hmm. he white. Um, I'm going to assume so, but let me not assume. Assume. Let me double check and see if I can find a picture. How do you him. spell his last name? C A P L A N. And it's Aaron, like Aaron spelled the, the normal way with two A's. A A Ron. Yeah, he's quite white. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> that is that is somebody's boss right there, like from Central <laughs> Casting. Um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, somebody is very much at fault, and somebody that I don't the pointing of the fingers thing is unfortunate. But it's like a thing where nobody wants to be blamed for something that was beyond their control. But it was under somebody's control, and I really feel like whatever benefit they thought of trying to hold on to this dude on the show was not worth it. If everybody was upset, everybody felt like they were in danger, everybody was being bothered all the time. And their personhood was being violated all the time. Exactly. Um, I also feel bad that Lena Wave called in to, you know, um, the nigga news, aka the breakfast club. Oh, so why? Why does that even exist? Like, I just can't. Because unlike us, when I saw everybody that, I else like, hates that fucking like, show. I mean, everybody else loves all it. All the places to like, why them? Like, oh. well. Everybody loves them except us. Charlemagne is really well connected in the industry, and he's given a lot of people. He is like yeah. a lot of very, like a lot of people polite. owe him opportunities. I think, and it's it's like maybe not clear, but if you if you listen to the things that they say to him, there's like a reason why they all connect to him, even though he's you know terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, show... yeah. I understand that. I just as a as a whole, it just it's like Wendy Williams to me. It's like one of those like why like it's so messy. You know it is. So like why put yourself in that position? <laughs> the show there. needs a new name. Which should just be Charlemagne and two idiots. Because I mean, three idiots featuring Charlemagne works too. Well, yeah, because he <laughs> is an idiot and he knows he is. But the like, if is, you, every I other, I don't think every other idiot. thing he does outside of that, like even the other the other interview shows he does, he's doing now, where it's just him, they're insightful, they're intelligent. I, I don't mean, know these things. Are I know he did the the um the Brilliant Idiots podcast, and I stopped listening to it because I kind of got tired of them saying shit just for like shock value, and I got really tired of that white man who was on that show. Oh, Andrew Schultz. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Really no, Andrew. Andrew yeah. Schultz is Andrew Schultz is trash. I mean, oh, his his stand up special live from the cis, where he's like, oh, live from being a cisgendered heterosexual white man, and we're like, and he just says a bunch of stuff that's like, yeah, nah, white people. I got some black friends and I can say some crazy shit yeah, and I'm going to. I can't stand it. No. 
But like but, with Charlemagne, um, like he made a business out of being an ignoramus. He's isn't necessarily one, but he's made a business out of it. He's offended a lot of people. He gets off on being offended. Profitable. I, I will. And say, he's and he's slowly that. he's slowly moving out of that and showing how smart. Well, he and needs, how, like he, he needs to fucking speed it up then. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, but I will say, Angelie, I don't think Angelie is an idiot. I think she's put in the uncomfortable position of being on a show that is very, like, it's driven so by, like... Odd. Like, I don't... Why is she still there? I find that... I'm so perplexed by that. The money. They make good money off that show. Well, okay. That's well, why. I, I, I ask the same question. I yeah. their salaries. They're, they're millionaires. All three of them. Uh, you answered it. Yeah. Like, um, but, like, she's the only person that show could actually fucking read, first of all. But like she, wow. she she gets asked like weird questions to make her ask weird questions. She always looks uncomfortable. I always just feel yeah, because like I don't watch it, but I've like seen clips and I see people talking about it. But it, I just get the sense of like she's always put in like uncomfortable situations, and I'm just like as a woman, like why like even if it's good money, like at some point I would just have to be like, you know what? Let me take my my millions in my bank account and go on somewhere else. From my thing. Like, I just listened to, or I just watched their um, Ava DuVernay interview from, like, yesterday or the day before. And the only person who said anything competent was Charlemagne. <laughs> like, in and Well, he's, yeah, he's not an idiot. He's very intelligent. But, I mean, that's, that's what the show is now. It went from but Charlemagne it, giving people donkey of the day and going in on them as a comedian, which he will still do, to being this, like, him being the one having the best questions to ask because he's the one actually running around in the industry. Well, also because whereas... he's the loudest, too. Mm-hmm. And all so, the, well, I mean, of course NBA he's gonna, got, And he's NBA. honestly, if you think about the show, you think about him. So he is the draw. He's the loudest. And he knows everybody. So, of yeah. course, he's going to have the best questions. But yeah, let me, let me sort of kind of get off of um, the whole Charlamagne thing and bring it back to the situation with um, Jason Mitchell. Um... The worst part about this is whoever, no matter who is set to blame, is that the time to act would have been like roughly like a year ago, and not like a couple of weeks ago before, right before we found out about it. Um, just for the sake of just trying to keep people safe, if nothing, like if nothing else, like there shouldn't be any actor who should be above. I mean, if Netflix can fire Kevin Spacey. Who, right. as famous as he was, they could have right. fired Jason Mitchell. They could have replaced him. They could have brought in somebody else to do his part. But uh, I mean, you made a point too. He, well, granted, Kevin Spacey is white, but all his, you know, victims were white, and this is like some, you know, a black man harassing black women. So they were just like, oh, you know, we'll just bring in HR because we don't really care. And you're right. As soon as he got to Mexico and met the homegirl from Glee, they were like, oh no. Yeah, like you don't do that. But there's also a couple things that can sometimes go on. You know, you have, like you said, Lena Waithe may have had other people who were who were more senior to her in in terms of running the show. So it's not just okay. You know, we get this woman who obviously she's involved in Times Up. You know, cares about these things. Mm-hmm. Powered, so now she has a certain amount of capital to use to make decisions. And what happens is, you you get people, okay. Maybe I can go to whoever it is that's really putting up the money behind the show and tell them that we need to fire this actor in the middle of the series that's going to completely ruin everything. Or maybe there's these three other things that I want to do. Can I just see if we can get through this season? And 
try and try and do it because I don't I don't want to burn my up bridge and tell them that you know I screwed up hiring the wrong actor and and face whatever comes with that and now now I'm looking bad because I had to go to them and, and get this situation taken care of. Right. All right. Yeah, um really quick, Amelia's gotta go. She gotta go and um um but yeah. Yeah, have a good evening. Thanks so much for joining Bye. us. Thanks, y'all. Sorry I got to leave early. I got a double and I'm exhausted. Gotcha. I got to do a double tomorrow. Y'all have a good rest of the show. All right. All right. Thank you. Uh, yeah, like that's, I mean, yeah, I could see that. Like the whole thing, like bad situation. Let me just sort of kind of see if I can wade my way through it and ride it out. Yeah. But I, I think the thing about that is that I think that's the mistake we make in any situation like that. Like it's a mistake that that you know you in hindsight you see that it's bad. Maybe when you're in it, you don't think it's as bad. But like, I don't know. Like that sort of, I see what you're saying. That's probably what yeah. she was thinking. I just wish we wouldn't feel like so trapped. In the, but I mean, that's that's just part of like situations like that. You do feel trapped, I guess. You know, you want to you want to try to protect yourself as well. Like. I just feel like it should like when like several actresses and the showrunner mm-hmm. all complain like that's kind of the point where it's like okay the showrunner too like we need to really take a look at this seriously right and just replace him we replace we replace Aunt Viv <laughs> and Harriet Winslow we can replace whoever he was we can get somebody else to run food truck on this show now do you think feel like that Lena Waif is going to suffer negatively from this press? Or no, I I think Tiffany is. I don't think Lena Waif, because she has, like, so many projects out now, like, she's going to be okay. But I do feel bad for Tiffany because, she, number one, she's already being harassed online mm-hmm. under her pictures on Instagram, apparently. Um, and I just, I really feel bad for her because she's literally taking the brunt of this, like, you got him fired. no. His stupid actions got him fired. Right. It was not her fault. So I feel like Tiffany, because people are going to be like, oh, no, she's going to be like telling on people on set or something. I don't feel like Lena will really suffer, though. Yeah. I mean, and to be honest, if people are misbehaving to that extent on set, they should be told off. That's part right. of what the Time's Up thing is supposed to all be about. I just saw a statement. I'm trying to find it again about where they had praised Tiffany for coming forward. The people, the actual like the official times of people, they praise yeah. them for coming forward and reporting it. Uh, yeah. Oh, Jason Mitchell loses MTV Movie and TV Award nomination. Amid, oh yeah, they yeah. rescinded that. Mm-hmm. He's done for about maybe five, ten years. He'll come back. You think he'll be back? Yeah, eventually. I don't know if he's famous enough. To, I mean, I don't know. I I haven't watched the show. Anything else that he's in? I wonder if he's been in uh, uh, in um, Straight Outta Compton and Mudbound. I saw him oh, yeah, Straight Compton right. and Detroit. Uh, you know what I saw? I did see him in that. He, he was good in it, but yeah, yeah, that's a, that's the sad part. He's really good. He's a really good actor. That's that's Mr. Part. He really a terrible person though. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, did they ever say what he actually did, or did they just like, skate around it? They didn't describe it in any sort of detail. Basically, it's it was gotta be bad. It's like nobody has actually said what it like, is. Like, 
Like when they sent him home from Mexico on that movie, you're like, oh, okay, so he he did, and and it hadn't even started. That's the thing; like they didn't even start filming. Movie. It's like he I'm landed, like, got the plane after the food, and got they sent went home. to lunch. They did a table read, and they were like, "Hell to the no, go home, <laughs> go home." Like, how do you get fired before you even start working? What did you do? This is completely unrelated, but I seen that shit happen. They hired an executive at one of the jobs I used to work at for a company everybody knows. Um, and the executive worked exactly one day because they had a screaming match with the executive who was in the office across from them. And, like, they had been to work a good, strong four hours, and they were already gone. <laughs> like, but you had, like, not only did it happen, it, it must have happened, and it must have happened where people could see it, where the wrong people could see it, because right. they were, like... And you know what? It had to, because Tiffany played his girlfriend, so I bet it was, like, probably, did they have, like, I haven't watched this, so I'm, I'm assuming they had, like, intimate scenes. Mm-hmm. He he must have done some like. Mm, I don't, you know don't want to know. I'm glad they didn't yeah. say. I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anything yeah. else about this at all? What did he do? Like, what was a who was a girl in at, from Glee? He tried. Um, the blonde that's in that. I think that's the girl that's in that new show on NBC that's coming out. The choir show. What's her name? It's her. The the one who was like the main head bitch in charge on not Glee I'm sorry uh Pitch Perfect she was an, is Pitch Perfect that she was in my goodness I'm what's her name I'm gonna look it up I'm gonna look it up because also I, um the, the lady I'm... who plays the um um uh not um the lady who plays Princess Jasmine's handmaid in Aladdin she's in that movie as well ah um so I'm not sure who it was that he was talking to because it's her Robbie Amell. Let me see if I can find the name of that actress right quick. God, I know I know it. It's Anna Camp. Yes. yes <laughs> I was like, she's in that new choir show. Why can't I remember her name? Yeah, it's her. Yeah. But yeah. All right. And so to well, I guess to lighten our mood, even though like um it's not really a good story, but it it's it's the it's not a good story, but it's a good outcome. Um R. Kelly is finally being um Brought to task for the things that he has done. Reindicted and it feels so good. (laughs) Because, I mean, for a long time, he just avoided, for whatever reason, getting charged with stuff. He He is a super black man because how he has evaded for so long is is mind blowing. Right. Mind blowing. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> you good. And so in February, he was charged with 10 counts of felony aggravated sexual abuse. And so just this past week, he was charged with 11 new counts of sexual abuse, sexual assault and sexual abuse, uh, centering around uh, one of the people who appeared in the Surviving R. Kelly um, min- uh, documentary miniseries on Lifetime. Um, I'm trying to find her name right quick. I saw it, but they're not showing it to me now. Uh... Let me see. Good grief. I can't find it right now. But yeah, but basically, like, you know, uh, he is being charged with uh, aggravated criminal sexual assault, criminal sexual assault by force, aggravated criminal sexual abuse of a victim between 13 and 16 years old, and aggravated criminal sexual abuse. Uh, He can go to jail for up to 30 years. Uh, He claims he's innocent. He always claims he's innocent. Yeah. 
And then they quoted him talking to Gayle, talking about, I didn't do this stuff. This is not me. I'm fighting for my life. And all that kind of stuff. K. Robert. When he went. I'm innocent. Yeah. I'm innocent. Uh, right. s- sir. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Everybody's terrible. <laughs> oh, stop, kids. <laughs> but yeah, as as that story is, at very least, I do appreciate that, you know, there's finally some movement on R. Kelly basically being Justice um, for these black girls. Yeah. Geronda Pace is the woman. She's one she she they she um describes her situation in detail in the documentary. Is she related to the Pace like the Pace family? Which Pace family? The gospel? Aren't they gospel singers? I don't know. Um, how do you spell her name? P-A-C-E. No, her first name. Oh, G-E-R-H-O-N-D-A. You mean J-E-R? J-E-R, like J-E-R Honda. Yeah, you said G, that's why. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know there's like a maybe not. Maybe it's just a coincidence. Well, yeah, like maybe, maybe it might be. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that even if it took that documentary to do it, that you know some of these charges are finally coming up because it just he just acted a fool for so long. It just it was just ridiculous. Oh, yes, he did. And I know a lot of us, you know, we go to our family reunions and things and and uh-huh. weddings and stuff like that. And you even bring up, like, R. Kelly. And people are like, R. Kelly didn't do it. He's innocent. You know, he made all them good songs and everything. Like, listen, everybody who... A lot of musicians are terrible people. If you like their songs, it's fine. But I mean, I don't know if it's fine. If that's what you want to listen to, that does not mean, is what I should say, that you can excuse the things that they have done. Right. Like, the dude needs to go to jail. Unless, listen, because the thing is this. It could always be your daughter. It could literally mm-hmm. be your daughter. One of that people, in the, one of people, one of the couples in the documentary, when it was their daughter. Because they had gone to the that, R. Kelly that concert. Couple, that couple that, like, what is, what is it? He shot at them out. Something. The Daniels. He eventually, they found out he eventually messed with their daughter. And they finally, like, cut him off. Because they had been, like, hit like, by his side for his entire career. Yep. But yeah. And even uh wasn't it was it Sparkle's niece? Yes. Yeah, I think that niece. was a that was the girl he peed on in the video, right? I think. <sighs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because like the uncle was um getting like credits on the albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a whole lot. Um and oh, so that was the way of getting paid off, huh? Yep. In better news, oh, um, this upcoming weekend, um uh X-Men Dark Phoenix finally comes out. So <gasps> Ooh. For those who are looking forward to see it, they can do that. For those who just want the Fox X Men movies to end so they can get Marvel X Men movies, that happens too. So everybody oh. wins. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited for Dark Phoenix. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing the reviews because they were talking about and me and Ken. Ken, you saw this too about how they talk about how they had to reshoot their ending because they say that Captain Marvel stole their ending from them. Marvel's. I feel like that is such. Yes. Um, Captain Marvel? Yeah. 
because they they say that it takes place in outer space and Captain Marvel's into place in outer space, so they they said they had to reshoot it. I'm like, how many superhero pictures have endings that end in outer fucking space? Or how many of them are a big bombastic fight scene? Right. Uh, y'all y'all would have been fine. Y'all are owned by Disney now. So you remember? Y'all could have kept the edit. The <laughs> <film>. <laughs> Oh boy, uh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, but Kevin Feige did say that they're not going to touch X Men for a while because they already have other plans. So um, it's going to be a lot of thirsty fanboys out here for a couple of years. It mm-hmm. might be a little bit unbearable. Uh, Secret Life of Pets too comes out the same day. I don't know how y'all feel about that. I love Secret Life of Pets. That was a cute movie. I, I I didn't like it very much. I saw it in the theater actually, but I didn't like it very much. It's hmm. like, well, to me, it was. Kind well, of, have you ever had a pet? I haven't. See, that's but probably why it felt like. I feel it, like if you had a pet, you would like a. It was maybe, too close to um Toy Story for me. Like the basic plot is the same plot as Toy Story. Well, yeah, but it's pets. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I hate all the <laughs> All right. But thanks, everybody, for listening. Richard, where can people find you online? Uh, on Twitter, at RJCC, or where I'm writing and editing at www.ingadget.com. Thank you. All right, awesome. I'm assuming your week is going to be um, busy coming up. Yeah, it's it's one of those weeks. Yeah, um, <laughs> blessings and just try to get uh, as much sleep as possible. Thank you. Um, <laughs> stay up. And as for us, you can find us at SSMPodcast.com, across all social media at SSM Podcast. And you can find our show on Apple Podcasts, um, Stitcher, Acast, TuneIn, wherever else podcasts can be found. Um, shout out to everybody who helped me out. So I accidentally posted the Aladdin episode under the title of the Mr. Rapper episode. And I had to reverse it today. But thank you for those who, who <laughs> caught that and let me know. I appreciate y'all for staying, helping me. Like, because I finished them both at the same time. And I, you know, I clicked one and oops. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are both. I hope everybody enjoys those. Um, I really liked um, those two episodes. Like, um, especially the Aladdin one. Because we got to talk about the whole history and Robin Williams and everything. I was thinking about that. And the whole fact that he ad-libbed that shit. <laughs> I still can't get over wow, I can't get over that. What a genius. Yeah. All right, but yeah, thanks everybody so much for listening. This has been the Say Something Nice podcast. I'm Brandon. I'm here with Latria. Bye. Our special guest, Richard. Peace. And? Uh, it's just Ken this week. Okay. <laughs> for you, I'll be Ma. Can't say he's tired. <laughs> All right. <laughs> See y'all next time. Bye. Bye. So, hey, I think you're right about uh, uh, your boy Pattinson, though, man. Yeah, I, he's a good act. Like, the thing is... I'm I feel more like he, worried he can about, give me he can give me moody if they go for like a moody Batman. I can see that. Yeah, I, I feel like he, he's gonna do good. I'm always more worried about the writers and directors of these movies than I am about the actors because like even right. cause BBS had a great cast of full of like Oscar winners right. and shit. And look at the mess that was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I'm always worried about 
how it's going to be written, how it's going to be directed, and whether or not the studios can come in and slash it to bits and, you know, do their version where Superman's mouth don't look right. Like, you, you got to have somebody, you got to have somebody in the lead with, with a real vision. Yeah. And I guess your man Tsujihara's only vision was how he was going to hook up with that uh, actress. Yeah, it was. And the thing I mean, is, like, Warner Brothers doesn't do, the, the, the key of Disney buying Marvel was that it fit into what Kevin Feige wanted to do with the Marvel Studios brand, which was he mm-hmm. wanted to be the creative head of everything because he basically was treating it like he was the showrunner, which worked, which is what works best for those movies. Warner Brothers had developed its culture because when they lost Alan Horn, who went to Disney <laughs> to become their studio head, mm-hmm. they sort of kind of became, well, we're going to be the... Um, filmmaker-friendly studio. You can kind of Warner Brothers and make your movie and we'll just help you give it resources and everything like that. And so they gave Zack Snyder, who was unqualified for the job they gave him, full, like, he just, they didn't run amok for like they two years. Creative control, right. the budget, all of that. And went in and, and they slowed the train down, but they didn't know how. They don't have somebody in there with a forceful vision for what these movies should be. They still don't have, that's why they're doing solo stuff. Like, and it's like, it's just so messed up because it's like, and I see people's like, they should hire Kevin Smith. To, Kevin Smith's like, a you need somebody a lot stronger of a force than Kevin Smith to do that kind of shit. They keep saying people from animation, you need like an actual producer. Like the person who was probably best qualified, well, the person who wants to do it, I think is Peter Safran, who's tried, he, he produced Aquaman and Shazam. He's producing Suicide Squad. It seems like he, he, he wants it to be him. That's what he seemed like he's, he's fighting for. Good luck with that. Hopefully it works. Because Kevin Feige, the thing about him, he's not a comic book person. He's a movie person who understands comic books. And that's what the key thing is. Because he knows where to put people and when to get the things made the way he wants them to get made. You can't put like a comic book super expert. You need to put somebody who's just passionate about the comic books who can learn. That's the key difference. You need somebody who actually can run a studio. But we'll see. Um, I'm cool if they just do solo stuff and don't try to do Justice League shit ever again, to be perfectly honest with you. I know I'm <laughs> late, but I just don't ever want to sit in the theater after having paid 18 fucking dollars to see a movie. And by the 100-minute mark, A, it's not over. And B, I'm sinking into my chair, feeling like death becomes me. Uh, Latria, have you seen the Chinese version of what men want or what women want? There's a Chinese version? It used to be on Netflix. I don't know if it is now. But it was like, you know, back when Netflix had weird stuff. It oh, is fantastic. Huh. It is a Chinese version of the original movie. It's amazing. It's better than the original. Did he fall into a tub in the same way and all that kind of shit? Say what? He fell into a tub and got electrocuted? Because <laughs> that's what I'm asking. So I'm like, did they do these, like, the exact same thing over again? Or was it different? They changed a lot. I can't okay. remember if they kept that. But there's a, like, there's a lot English, of stuff in English or they... Are they speaking in English? But it, it's, uh, I mean, it's Chinese, Chinese. They're speaking in Chinese. Oh. Okay. Oh, so it's subtitled. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I didn't even know that existed. Me neither. <laughs> I think they did a bunch of versions of it. But all right, y'all. I'm going to go ahead and upload that. But yeah. Brandon, yes, you know what I forgot we didn't, we didn't mention? What we did we mention? We were saying about Disney. Uh-huh. Um, well, yesterday, I mean, it probably doesn't matter, but we were talking about how Disney isn't taking chances. Right. With their, like, stuff, and I Back wish they would be Michael a little... a little bit. You sound blown out. Okay. There you go. I wish, I wish they were a little more inventive with the way they're redoing these properties and, like, actually taking chances, even they don't, though they don't need to, because, you know, they have the... Ca- they've basically 
they can do a live action version of their old cartoon properties and have a cash cow that's almost guaranteed to make money. Um, shout out to Dumbo. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like, but I mean, you could have something where you take you, you do something with a real twist that would like you know they could serve both purposes. Like what we were talking about, we said like Maleficent was basically a live action version of. Um, Sleeping Beauty, but they kind of, you know, they did another twist on the story, even though, like you said, it's more like Wicked. You said, um, a Wicked Asleep, which is still a good twist, uh, like the Wicked Birds of Sleeping Beauty, where you're following the bad guy around. But I mean, yeah. Jungle Book is like what you're describing. Jungle Book is a better version of that story than the Disney animated version. They brought in some of the shit from the original books and kept some of the things people like from the cartoon version. Uh, Lion King is also being done by John Favreau, so hopefully they do that, but Every ad they've shown me is like shot by shot remake. So I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> um, I know they're pre they're doing pre-production on of all fucking things Snow White right now. And that's when they will have to change because Snow White's so outdated as a film that they, you can't do a straight adaptation of that. You have to rewrite it and revisit it somehow. Um it'll turn into um what's that movie? Snow White and the Huntsman. No. Oh God, no. Actually, I, never, um, I was joking. I was going to say Birth of a Nation. <laughs> oh my God! You did I tell you that about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you did. You know, because I I told you I refused to watch that movie. Yeah. So, because the Wikipedia um, entry alone was enough for me to be like, yeah. No. For those who don't know, um, the chase of the Wicked Witch and Snow White in that last like, Snow White was stolen shot for shot from Birth of a Nation, the W.D. Griffith one, where they're, it's, um, they're chasing the black man up the hill. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Richard, <laughs> I, Richard I found it on Amazon. Okay. But, I, it's, but it's not on Prime. I think you have to rent it, though. Mm. Like, it's one of those things, like, it'll probably come back around on the subscription. Yeah. It's, it, it's hilarious. I remember watching it cracking up. It was 